Now entering Nerdist.com. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, my, my dear friend, uh, like family uh, friend, uh, Rob Bell, author, acclaimed author, spiritual guy, is back. Uh, we talk. His daughter is also here, and she sits in. She doesn't really talk. But we talk a little bit about his new book, What is the Bible? Uh, it's so good. What is the Bible? I, I, I got an advanced copy. I, was, I tore through it. It's unbelievable. Um, Rob kind of makes the point that you don't even need to be religious to get something out of the Bible. It's fundamentally a book about how to live, and there's some very interesting historical and kind of poetic uh, things in there for all to enjoy. Uh, so many things brought me to tears. So many things were just so rich and beautiful. And it kind of reads, I say, it reads kind of like a whodunit, like who ruined the Bible? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he found the goodness there that has made such a, a book like that sustain and remain. And he, he expresses it uh, even better than he has written in the past. It's incredible. I don't know if you can tell. I'm a little sick. Speaking of which, this conversation, Rob and I, pretty chill. We talked about it afterwards. We were like, this is not typical Rob and Pete hang talk where we're bouncing and caffeinated and crazy. This, this is a more chill conversation, but I'm happy to release that because nobody, myself, Rob, whoever, is always on and sometimes it's just a lazy Sunday and we chat it up a little bit. So I'm excited for you to hear it. It was tons of fun. I'm also so excited um, to mention one of our sponsors is a friend of ours, Sarah Silverman. She's been on the podcast twice, two of my favorite episodes of all time, and her new Netflix special, A Speck of Dust, which we discussed a little bit on the podcast. Val and I were just saying we can't wait to see it. It's coming out May 30th. That's today. So May 30th, it's coming out. Well, today's May 31st, right? Yeah, I'm recording this today, and this comes out <laughs> tomorrow. It was filmed at Largo, as Sarah and I discussed, the legendary theater Largo, and apparently it came out amazing because here it is. I can't wait to see it. It's her first comedy special after, as we discussed, a life-or-death health scare uh, which she talked about at length in her performance. It's her classic no-holes-barred style. It's Sarah, the way we know her, the way we love her. we got to get into, you know, t- different topics. I'm reading here. I'm reading here. The oddities of Barbie's anatomy, reproductive rights, all the things that we want Sarah Silverman to weigh in on. My dear friend, the lovely Sarah Silverman. She had been nominated for five Emmy Awards, winning twice. So check out Speck of Dust today on Netflix. We also have uh, our wonderful friends at the Dollar Shave Club throwing some sponsorship, some sponsorship uh, over to the podcast. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. I am tired of going to fucking CVS and finding the aisle that has the razors, finding some, noticing that they're locked up. Like fucking precious jewels, having to find Kyle, the guy who's on break, who has the key, waiting 15 minutes for Kyle to come and unlock the fucking razors. Dollar Shave Club is like a life hack. It's a no-brainer choice. You no longer have to schlep to the store to buy cheap disposable razors that give you a cheap shave, which suck. Or spend a fortune on razors with gimmicky shaving tech that you don't need. It's just high quality, affordable, but premium razors that they ship directly to you. And when you use your DSC executive razor with the Dr. Carver shave butter, the blade gently, gently glides all over your face, giving you one of those smooth ass shaves. I'm adding words. (laughs) 
Uh, the, the shea butter's amazing. You too can do this. I know it sounds like it's a fancy thing for celebrities only and weird comedians like myself, but you too can make the smarter choice and get in on this life hack by joining Dollar Shave Club. All you gotta do if you want to get your first month uh, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of the Dr. Carver Shea Butter for only five bucks. That's right, five bucks with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month. That's a $15 value for just five bucks. If you want to try it, <clears throat> go to dollarshaveclub.com slash weird and stop wasting your life buying razors in the store like an old-timey cowboy. Come on, dollarshaveclub.com slash Weird. Thank you for your sponsorship, Dollar Shave Club and Netflix with the Sarah Special. And as always, people are always asking me about these in person. These are the peep picks. I do want to point out that the promo code for Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil uh, starting end of today. So today, if you're listening to this today, it comes out May 31st, 2017. The promo code will be You Made It Weird. But moving forward in June and forward, it's going to be Keep It Crispy. So I'll tell you both of those. Anyway, for those of you that don't know, Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil is an amazing hemp oil. It's made from the hemp plant. They take out the THC, which is the psychoactive element. They leave the CBD, which is the round, happy, smooth, glowy, wonderful juice that I love to take every day, every other day. It doesn't really matter. I take the Advanced. I take the Everyday Plus. I get the mint chocolate. It tastes like a thin mint. It's so much better than having a cocktail or getting a massage. It's just like a little bit of relaxation, pain relief, back pain, neck pain, sleeping better, anxiety. I take it before parties. I sometimes take it in the middle of the day, even if I'm working, because it doesn't cloud my brain. It just gives me a wonderful, good, loose, dance-like-an-octopus kind of feel. It's not high, so you're not like, you know, cloudy, can't read a book, can't follow a conversation. It's just a wonderful, calm, clear, happy glow that I love. This is a product that I sincerely use almost every day, if not every day, and I want you guys to try it. So many people write in about how much this product means to them, and I love to hear it, which is why it's a Pete's Pick. Go to CW, like Charlotte's Web, CWHemp.com slash weird. If you hear this today, you, you made it weird, we'll get you 10% off. Moving forward, Keep it crispy. In one word, we'll keep it. Uh, we'll keep it ten percent off. The other one, as you know, the other Pete's pick that I absolutely use every day, several times a day, especially while I'm here in New York, writing, crashing, or when we're acting. <coughs> Sorry, I have a little cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Acting or doing stand-up, whatever it may be, I am never far from three Alpha Brain pills. It's my favorite supplement. I always have them in the pocket of my jacket. I have them in my car. I have them in my backpack. Every jacket I own comes, they're already in there because I never like to be without it. I swear by it. It's a nootropic, which is like a vitamin for your brain made of earth-grown ingredients. It's like stuff for your brain to run on. It's good for memory. It's good for focus. And for the past three years, I haven't recorded a podcast, done stand-up, written a script, meditated, anything that uses my brain. About 15 minutes before, I take about three because I'm a big old guy and i got a big old noggin. And it makes my life so much easier. Communicating, recall, focus. If you have some work to do, or if you just want to be a more attentive friend, I mean, seriously, Alpha Brain, this is your shit. It's not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It doesn't make you up. In fact, sometimes I take it before bed because it gives me trippy dreams in a good way. I always keep it at hand, and I want you to try it. That's why it's a Pete's pick. 
All you got to do is go to onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com slash weird, and you will automatically get 10% off your purchase. That's it, guys. We're here in New York. I thought maybe Val would be back in time to say get into it. But we're here in New York, shooting season two, uh, starting this Monday. It's insane. So exciting. I can't wait for you guys to see this. Uh, And in the meantime, we got some podcasts. It's going to be exciting. Some new guests coming up, starting with my man, Rob Bell. Get into it. Get yourself and then put yourself into this. Get into it. Bye, baby. I'm sorry, we're a little late. It's okay. Hi, Violet. What's your name? Natalie? Natalie, hi. Violet Bell. Sorry, girlfriend and I had to... uh... Which girlfriend? Your daughter? This girlfriend. We hit... Man? How are you? It's great to see you. I had to find this picture, and then we were out in the parking lot. I love it. Um, Are you going to sit with us, Violet? If you'd like to, you're welcome. Do you want to sit? Where do you want to sit? There? Do you want to sit here? That's a dog bed. What do you want to do? Okay. Okay. And then you have this. Then you have this. This is going to be the... This is what took me a minute to find. Oh, my God. Do you know what that is? This is a photo of the first time we did it! I was like, I can't... I like, I can't go in there... And not have that loaded, ready to go, because that's... Oh, my god! Is that magic? It is magic. That's where the magic all began. You have a new top on. I know. Some of uh, my friend Orrin gave me new Lululemons. Because like everybody, people are concerned about my jackets. <laughs> all my friends, because I wear my jackets until they have holes and tears in them. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody named Jesus said, give no thought to what you should wear. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, we plug it in, Violet. Plug it in. Look, we're drinking. I'm drinking coffee. You've never had coffee in your life. No. And I have a printout. Natalie, <laughs> you get said ready because this is going to be so much fun. You said that like it's not not you can't interesting. Believe how much fun you're going to have? <laughs> you said like you've never had coffee, and you're like, no. That's an interesting fact. <laughs> That's a weird fact. Once I got started. I think once I didn't the, get started. Once you didn't get started, you just kept running. And look, this is right after I had that concussion that we heard so much about on this podcast, because I have printouts of quotes of yours, <laughs> and that's how like serious I was about like not messing it up. I was really nervous. You were nervous. Yeah, and then this morning... I remember you... Did I tell you I was nervous? I remember that being a thing. Like, uh, um... Oh, Pete's, like, nervous. <laughs> well, we talked about you it talk, a lot. You talked straightforward about it, yeah. And then I... I because I <laughs> I had just... You know, this was... How many years ago? Three? Uh, this have been June of 13. <laughs> Four years ago? I know. That's why the picture... T- ah, what? That's why the picture... It's like, oh, my word, four years. That's like college. Do you know We've what I mean? gone to college together. Yeah, right. Whoa! I it's can't like we believe met, it. We met at like at like freshman orientation, and now we're like the still night hanging before out. we're walking. Oh, we're doing this again. We graduated. <laughs> oh my gosh, we graduated, and you can make it through anything if magic made it. <laughs> well, what a dream! Well, like what a ge- what a contrast is that I you know got up this morning, and uh, <laughs> you know as I as I almost always do. And uh, Val was just like, who's on the podcast? And I was like, Rob. And she's like, oh, that's just fun. You know what I mean? Like, it's the opposite. <laughs> it's not that I didn't prepare at all, but it's, I, we're constantly talking, constantly hanging out. Yes. I'm reading correct. your book. So for, for leisure, you know what I mean? <laughs> for leisure and pleasure, 
not preparation. That's what I'm saying. I'm not like highlighting it and be like, I'll ask him about this. Right, right, right. We'll back him into a corner. In fact, yeah. when I'm reading it, I call you because that's one of the great privileges of my life is I can read something you wrote and then call you and be like, what was that? That's crazy. This podcast is different than when we every day see each other because it's a different location and it's being recorded. Yes, that's Other right. than that. It's, everything's the same. Why is this day different than others, Rob? You know the chosens. <laughs> and let's just let's just do bullet points because you love you, something I've learned from you in public speaking. You go like, "Here's where we're gonna go," right? Okay, you, you oh, like, yeah, lay yeah. it out. Yeah. Uh, let's just whether or not we get to it. Let's talk about the things that have happened since the last time. Because you moved to L.A., we're here. You you were you were. Do you mind disclose? Yeah, your book flaps say you live in L.A. Mm-hmm. So your book. We can disclose the location. <laughs> your, what was that laugh? That was such a weird door creak laugh that I just did. <laughs> uh, but you live in L. You moved. We live in Los Angeles. You used to live by the beach, and now you live in the city. Yes, we can say that. Sure. <laughs> um, we went on tour together. Mm-hmm. How many shows? Like did we eight do? cities or something. Yeah. Like ten or twelve shows or something. Yeah. Well, then mul- and then multiple Largos. And we've done, and then there's the, and then there's Largos. It was, there has to be at least six, eight, and there's one coming up, and one coming up. Yeah. So we've become regular performers together. Yes. Whereas when we started, it was very weird and and needed uh, talking about. Like we, we cleared our throat a lot at the beginning of the show, and now we it's felt been, like we were, we were asking what it is, knowing the crowd was asking what it what it is. Right. We all asked together. <laughs> <laughs> and now we just go out. It's kind of gotten to that glorious place that we were yeah. trying for where we just go out and we're like, who cares? <laughs> right, right, right. That's a big thing with you. And this is one of the things I want to talk about was wrong questions. <laughs> isn't that just like – isn't that one of the, the toothpicks that's holding your sandwich together is like that's the wrong question right, 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 or right. the wrong pursuit? Because we love questions, but questions are rooted in categories. Yeah. So when a person asks a question, the question has actually behind it a world of assumptions and categories. And if you don't ask questions about those, then you might keep asking that question and never get anything interesting. Well, Larry Wilmore did it yesterday, and he was talking about, I, I disagree with your premise. Yes, exactly. That's what, that's the, it's so empowering. Yes. When someone's like, when you said this, did you do this? And it's like, I disagree with your premise. That's what I, that's, that is, I just watched Rogue One, so there's going to be a lot of Star Wars. Did you see it? No, I haven't it's yet. really good. Did is you it? see it, Violet? It's really good. Do you want to watch it? Okay. Well, okay, you, then we'll do it. Violet plays Rogue One. Every time I come over, she's she's taking care of business herself. But it's like, you know, George Lucas and Spirit, the Force and all that stuff is in there. And when you say that's the wrong question, it reminds me of Obi-Wan saying, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Like, people are asking you for the wrong droids. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. And it's very simple, <laughs> but it really does feel magical to be like, that's not correct. But before we get all deep, let's just – how are you? How are you today? Oh, one more bullet point. Yeah, go ahead. When you first came over to our house, so this would have been mid-2013. Yeah. Once we became friends, after that first podcast, <laughs> you said my goal is to Uncle Buck your kids. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to come – you're going to go somewhere, you and Kristen, and I'm going to stay with your kids. Yeah. But we haven't done that yet. I know. It so hasn't I just happened. think that needs to be stated up front. I want to wear a flowing Hawaiian shirt – and and be tricked by Violet that you can eat Cool Whip for dinner. Like, I want to be like, that sounds fine. And I'm eating it. I end up eating most of it. She will do that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> there. Okay. What are you eating these days? I don't even know. Because I remember, I was interested, one of the things was that you talked to Rich Roll, 
And then you were like, oh, and by the way, you know there's no, you know. Why am I saying this? <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, I'm not like sniffing around to see if you're a vegan because that'll be good or bad. I'm just wondering I'll what, tell you the less meat I eat, the better I feel. Yeah. So I eat but you, a tiny, tiny bit of meat compared to what I used to eat. But you're not great with like breads and stuff, so you have to like, you, you, uh, yeah, one time, right. you went real hard. You were like, my eyes were open. Animals, uh, you know, are our brothers, <laughs> right? Right. And then, and then we were like, "Oh, there's nothing I can eat." So you kind of went back to like eating a little chicken or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I uh, Brody's not a, ve- a vegan. He eats turkey every day. Your dog? Yeah, you know Brody Violet. You buy your dog turkey? We buy him turkey dog food. Yeah, just one of the ways I'm full of crap. <laughs> if you like that one, I have a few more. <laughs> Dogs eat meat. Let the you know. Let them sort it out. <laughs> That's animal issues. Take that to animal court. I'm worried about people's behavior. They'll have to follow their conscience. Yeah, that's right. He could not eat it. He could protest. He could push it away and say, I'm a vegan. What's wrong with you? But he doesn't. He eats it. He'll also eat a used prophylactic on the street. Last time you were at our house, I think I did the salsa bar. At your house? Yeah. Yes, which was amazing. Wasn't that fun? Well, you... You love feeding people. I do love it. You yes. love feeding people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was at a party last night. I was like, this isn't what I'm about. When I go to your house, you have seven sauces. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That you're making. I love it. And trying and being very enthusiastic about. Yes. And then, and then Pete Rollins will show up. So like a world-renowned philosopher will come and sit with us. And Val's there. And Violet's dancing. And Kristen's there. And Kristen is in this interesting place where she is let, just letting me go, but also has such a higher standard for how you would have people over. You so mean, she's like, so she'll be like saying, like, Rob, how about napkins? Because uh, she's, <laughs> you notice that? How she's she, part of it. Right. You mean she's invested in she's the She's so theater. happy that I'm taking it, but she's also like, you're, you're, this could be done better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's helping. Well, you're lost in the cooking and the tasting, which is why my nickname for you when we first started hanging out was cilantro, because, or would you say cilantro? Oh, yeah, because the joy. Because you, well, that's my question. Here's my first question for you. Are you okay. ready? Yes. It's a good one. How do you, when I'm at my best, I'm currently at my best, right? I'm sleeping. I'm like not really drinking very much, just kind of being healthy. I've been hiking every day and I catch myself going, I feel like Rob. <laughs> You're, whenever I call you, you're like, oh, you know, I, I was feeling a little blocked in the house, so I'm going surfing or whatever. Like, it's always a thing. And you have three children and a wife. And I'm over here going like, how do I get the moxie to face 20 minutes of writing? What, do, what are some of your secrets? The secrets of Rob. <laughs> oh, I know you don't dwell. Word. You don't dwell on your, on your negative feelings. Would you, yes, you know? I do. You do dwell on it. I have down, yeah. Oh, really? Last week I was depressed. I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you always spun and pivoted. Not in the bad way, but like, I don't need that. that no, stuff. no. Elvis leaves the building sometimes. The, do- the black dog's visiting. The black dog comes to visit. See, we've, we've alluded to that, and this isn't what I want to talk about, but that's good to know for me, just as a person. Uh, yeah, I'm like, you know, sometimes... denial's my drug of choice. Is that right? So I'm like the super optimistic, positive, we're all going to be great. Right. And it took me years. There's an underbelly to that. Right. Because what do you do when you fail, when you lose, when you have your heart broken, when... And so it took me years to understand that that denial was my drug of choice. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep smiling. Keep dancing. (laughs) And it was only in the past few years 
I would literally, when I started to understand this, I would, and I started to realize the importance of going, oh, I'm angry. Wow. And just let it be whatever it is. And I would say things to Kristen like, this is so weird. Like, I don't feel like changing the world today. And she'd say, welcome to how the rest of us feel that's what, most days. That's what Val says to me, too, by the way. Yeah. She'll be like, I'm like, I just can't uh, do it today. Right. She's like, that's how I feel <laughs> yeah. every day. Yeah. I don't feel like doing five things. Yeah, so that's we, a huge. We, yeah. We talked over three salsas about mania. And I, I don't want to diagnose myself as manic, but I told you that I flipped. Oh, I remember up. you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I wonder if you're the same because there's nothing better. I don't get. I don't. I don't get as depressed as I get happy. I'm happy to report. Oh, oh, got it, got it. But do you? You seem like me. It's, that you I'm flare probably up? more steady. Yeah, I'm probably more. You got a good baseline going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the not... swing. The swings aren't huge. Yeah. Um. Maybe that's what I mean then, then, because I don't swing too deep down. But go on. Well, my life didn't years ago. My life didn't work. Like it just all the wheels sort of came off, right? When I was trying to be all these things to all these people, I remember so, we've talked about that. Because, yeah, I had a couple bad, cra- yeah. like bad crashes. Yeah, like, com- like bad burnout, depletion, hit the wall, fetal position on the floor. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it what? Is it like the the TV show? You thought that was going to be a thing? It was it no. That this was earlier, earlier, earlier than that. Really? Um, there was one in two thousand four. There was one in two thousand eight. Oh wow! Like um, this doesn't work, and I don't know if I get. Uh, although, especially the one in oh eight, I didn't know if I would be able to do my work again. Like, oh, maybe it's over. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You had that? And I took four months and went off the grid and did no anything. No writing, no speaking, no working. We just, we just, I just went off the grid. And where were you yeah. at that point geographically? I was pastoring a church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And you weren't preaching, though? Yeah, no. Some good friends who were also leaders were like, you need to just go away. They gave you the time off. They were like, just, just don't. Yeah, just go, just go figure it out. What caused it? Do you think it was just seasonal? Um, I all I ever knew is you just go, 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 go. Yeah, and you just work harder and do more, and the answer is always work harder. Mm. And the worst thing would be to be considered lazy, hmm. or like you can't cut it, or weak. Hmm. Oh my word, that's like that's death. So it- you just keep pushing, and. It didn't, and I just crashed. So uh, there's, and and it was like finish a book deadline, do some more sermons, go on a tour. It was like just just I was like so amped up on you know um, when the peaks start to connect. Mm-hmm. So you get up to finish your script, then you have to do a show. So then you just keep them instead yeah. of coming back down a normal. You just keep spiking up high, and eventually the... It's not a wave. It's just a tall ocean. Yeah, tall, yeah exactly. So at some point, all the... So then there's a new normal, and the new normal is amped. Right. And to come back down to normal would be too painful. It's like seeing a, an erected ocean. Absolutely. And I remember... It's going to crash. I had this sense like I should stop talking. Like, just stop talking. Hmm. Stop creating and talking. And um, I went to this neuropsychologist who did some basic, like, brain evaluation. Tim Royer. 
yeah, basic brain evaluation. And he said you, uh, anything over 1.5 high beta would be damaging. Like basically your body, your brain is revving. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners know what this feeling, when your brain is like, it's yeah. just. Um, and I was 3.5 on my T1 and T2, which is the part of the brain involving speech and creativity. Wow. So it was interesting that I was feeling this thing and then like a there was a physical like a neuropsychologist was like oh yeah actually I'm looking at a screen of the data and your brain is like it's like you're in neutral but the pedal's all the way down and that was when you did that brain scan on stage I caused oh yeah 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 so that that just got me interested in how many times I'd meet people who would say this feels unsustainable or I don't have any of the passion I used to or I feel like I'm revving or I need certain substances to stay up mm-hmm. Um, I remember being, or people being, say things like uh, it felt like a command performance or it, I, I just begin to notice how many of us something about the modern world revs us up. Yeah. And then you have to stay up mm. and you just figure out how to stay up instead of asking questions about a system that demands that you stay up, whatever you mean by that, and that your body is getting cooked. Right. Because what I took away from my time with Tim was Tim Royer. Uh, who did the podcast at your house with you? Oh yeah, remember? Um, he, I, I felt like it was the science of meditation. The idea of being yeah, absolutely being still, absolutely. You know, it's funny that's now. not to put down Tim. I think that's a great way to go at it. But if people are listening, I think it's, oh, it's right, taught, right, right. It taught me how to sit and breathe. And the funniest thing to me is you now uh, you have all of these scientists giving us data for things that in the spiritual tradition are like thousands of years old. Right. It's like if somebody gives a TED Talk, there's a whole world of people that are like, oh, wow, M- meditation's good for you. Right. When you have monks who are like, uh, yeah, our, our, yeah no kidding. our tradition is 9,000 years old. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> it's, such the- a funny, it's such a funny thing of the modern world. Of course. <laughs> but uh, now how do you combat, how do you make sure, because we were talking, you were a good friend to me when I was doing the press, and you were like, be careful. Oh, In yeah. In two weeks, you might crash, because it might oh, right, right, right. in an unlikely way. How do you guard yourself now? Is that what all the surfing and the um, cooking for your friends is about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. At some level, how do you set up your life so that it's sustainable? Right. And so that you're not always cramming for the last minute deadline. Yeah. So it so it is you you do your work every day. You do a chunk of work every day and that it's it adds up over time. That's what we were just saying in Largo. I asked you what your writing process is and you I said, Do you write all day? And you said, Two hours. Oh, a couple of hours is it. Yeah. And I'm out. I yeah. got nothing more. Yeah. And and to leave it hot. Oh, yeah, right, right. Tell you the people always, about leave it hot. Oh, yeah, you want to walk – like if you're writing that day, you want to walk away and without writing everything you could have. You want to walk away like one sentence right. short. So of, when you wake up the next morning, you go, I you can't You sit wait. back down. Yeah. You sit back down and you pick up there. Yeah, I, you walk away hot. I, leave it hot, baby. <laughs> leave it But I, I guess I – It's I, a thousand little whacks at it. Instead of – And that's the thing about work and the creative process a lot of people don't tap into is it is about you show up. Right. Every, every day. You, um, I take Saturdays off. I turn off my computer and don't do anything. Um, otherwise you just take a little and then over time that adds up. You take Saturday and off to not write you mean. On Saturday afternoons I turn off my com- I turn off a computer and I don't go anywhere near it. Yeah. For a while for until Sunday if that. But um what's interesting is 
if you stay calm and you just do the work and a chunk of it, whatever you got that day, um, the cumulative effect is – it's like you know when you first heard about compound interest and they were like, if you saved a penny today, how right. much would it be in 20 years? And you're like – Seventeen dollars and like no three million or whatever. You remember <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that thing? It really is the compound effect. Yeah, and and so many people get. Am I any good? Is this good? Is this bad? Is this work? Like when you like the writing you're doing. Yeah. Is this any good? Is this funny? Is this work? Is this connect? Is this all those questions are questions for step two or three or four? You mean just right. get it down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you suspend judgment. You get rid of your edit button. You're just getting the stuff out right now right later we'll go back and do all that stuff right and even like the day off saturday is also writing like i i was i am supposed to do there's three things i'm supposed to be writing this weekend and i've done none of them and i and i and, I'm, and that's not just procrastinating it's deliberate it's this beautiful yes you give yourself like you love oh right giving violet ice cream hey <laughs> because you love ice cream right Yes. <laughs> she looked like, what'd you say about me? Um, <laughs> and you do the same thing for yourself where you're like, you know what? I'm getting the signal that I should just oh, absolutely. relax a little bit. Uh, I think it was Roger, ba- Roger Bannister, the American runner, said, before a race, we store up spirit. Oh, wow. And so sometimes <laughs> you aren't doing it. Because you're storing up spirit. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like, Val had a very you packed have to. day yesterday. So I didn't see her just for one day. I know. Barf bag alert. <laughs> and then I saw her this morning. I was just so excited. No, I feel that way about her. Kristen. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, we're, we're about to celebrate 23 years of marriage. Woo! Yeah, I know. Woo was right. And yeah. wow. I have that same feeling. Yeah. Like, oh, wait. We didn't, we didn't talk this afternoon. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm so happy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got to say, man, having you guys as couple friends <laughs> is, is incredible. And we're we're fortunate to have like three or four good examples of people that are married and like legit happy. That's what Oh, yeah. I, I love that's you're you're saying oh, <laughs> barf bag. If that's barf bag, then I'm in on the barf bag. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's let's the, the, the happy <laughs> people are over there barfing, talking yeah. about it, their sweethearts or whatever. I just mean, it can be frustrating. I, I mean, so Mike Rabiglia was always careful to be like, you know, you talk about Val a lot. You need to remember that people don't have their vows. Yeah. And so they're probably like, which I would have been as well. And people yeah. don't have their yeah, Kristen. But you and I ha- have that in common where we really look at our partners as, as co-creators in, in, the, in the franchise or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I don't know if franchise is a cold, gross word. But you know what I mean? In the mission. Uh, mission sounds too militant. Co-creators in, in the, the franchise. franchise. You know, it's funny. Sometimes somebody will say something and you'll be thinking, that's exactly how I'd say it. But when you said that, I was like, I probably wouldn't say it that way. <laughs> She's a co-conspirator in the allegiance. <laughs> I don't know what to say. She's she's an essential part to your success. That helps you in a huge oh, yeah. way. I see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm, we're talking about pulling up out of that. So you're, if you're on the floor and Tim Royer analyzes your brain... And then you take how long did you take off? Oh, this was two thousand eight. Four months. Yeah, I had just been going too hard for too long. So there was like there was like a four month window off, completely off the grid. That's amazing. It was bizarre. Who does it? Everybody talks about doing that. But I'd heard it. of people. Literally, I'd heard people talk about taking a sabbatical. Yeah, and I always been like a wuss. <laughs> I, even people, I just, I was just, I just was. Trained and raised in a setting where you just go, 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 go. And that was all just I come from a family me. that even looks at, like, Alcoholics Anonymous. People are like, you just stop quitting. You don't go to a program. You know what I mean? Oh. Just, they, they have that real, like, that's weak 
shit, which yeah. is weird because they sent both my brother and I to very, if that's weak, we went to very weak schools, meaning we learned how to hold hands and sing African folk songs, and we meditated for 20 minutes every day. Like, it was very, very touchy-feely. I don't think they knew. I don't think they ever read a pamphlet. <laughs> but anyway, I still deal with that, but, but you're, you're not that but, way. But what happened, going back to your original question, Yeah. what happened is I had to figure out a... Kristen and I were like, okay, how, what does a sustainable life look like? Mm-hmm. And so that just became central to the whole thing. How do you do meaningful work in which five years from now you haven't just survived, but you have it's, – it's more satisfying. <laughs> right. And You managed to live – now. You're actually, and ten years from now, you have more ideas, right? And you have more wonder and awe than you even get to do this of it, this work. And that means, and that's a completely different set of questions than being successful, or growing your platform or making lots of money. It's franchise. literally a different set of questions. Becoming a franchise. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It literally is a different set of questions. Yeah. Well, what is success? Is it a big thing? Yeah. When I exactly. go to your two day events, I hear you addressing. The unasked question, which is what it's just because yeah. most of us, I think, go around being like success is a Tesla and a bigger TV, right? Absolutely. And workplaces, neighborhoods, family systems, friend groups have centers of gravity of consciousness. It's, it's like you almost pick it up at a cellular level, the assumptions about how this thing works, mm. how to win, how to lose, what's success, what's failure, what's... Um, and until you mean you're getting it from your nucleus, you're, you're, you're it picking the... it up. You're picking up a thousand words, mostly unspoken, sometimes spoken, right. mostly unwritten, once in a while written about how we measure and judge ourselves. Like, where did you get that a sabbatical is weak? You probably got yeah, it from right. Your I, nucleus. Oh yeah, and oftentimes it's a um, a collage of a bunch of different things that got all crammed together into a hairball. That is how you see things. <laughs> and in my experience, until you start addressing assumptions you've picked up about how this thing works, about what six, until you are willing to go there, you never sort of break through. You mean question your own thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, oh, oh, for example, you go to a playground where a bunch of parents are standing around and within 10 minutes you can pick up, oh, so apparently these are the schools that are good. These are the schools that aren't good. Hmm. These are the programs you have to have your kid in. There's some window when they're seven of four months that they, if they haven't learned Russian, they're not going to get into a good school. You know what I mean? There's like a, there's just an endless, um, and then at an earlier age. the show Big Little Lies. You, you, <laughs> I don't know. You didn't see Big Little Lies. It's all that sort of stuff. Is that the HBO one? Yeah. Oh, yes. It's I'm, the politics of of. I love that nice show. School. And I, I read that book. I discovered that author last year in Australia. Oh, wow. And read that book and was like, this would make the best and, it and then they did, yeah, and it's well, so good. It's really good. Um, but you're saying, and I see you practicing that with your kids, there's, there's a real – Val and I ask ourselves all the time, like, what, what would Rob do in that situation? <laughs> it's really Because true. Rob's asking, what would Kristen do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, you know, when I see your kids wanting to pursue music or something, yeah. I, I see a dad 
not tolerating it, but lighting up that and, and going to his shows. And not just going to his shows like the way you go to Little League games because you're supposed to because you got that from your nucleus, your core group. Of oh, God. right, right, right. You go because you're genuinely excited that your, your, son, your sons have both found ways to express themselves. Oh, and, yeah. And pursue what you, you're practicing what you preach in a huge way. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's scary. It's, ball, it's ballsy. Um, the, <laughs> some people think the best American architect ever was a man named Louis Kahn, legendary architect. And on the front end of a design, he would ask, what does this building want to be? Mm. So uh, essentially, like a compelling force draws you towards it. An impelling force is something within something that comes up from within it. What is the impelling force? What does this building want to be? Mm. And how do we gather around it? And help it. Well, most so, people look at a lot of people seem to look at their kids and go like, "He's going to be an athlete." Right, right. That's why it breaks my heart. Babies in Patriot sweatshirts. I'm like, <laughs> this baby has no right. preferences. Right, right and, right. and before we think that's like anti-sports or something, it, would, it bums me out to see the baby. I'm not going to put my baby in a Joseph Campbell T-shirt. <laughs> this one's going to like myth. Right, but what you. What the heck is that? It's such a. It's such a. You're asking the wrong question. Yeah. Um, what? Who does this kid want to be? Right. That's right. Not who, who can I make this kid? Uh, who and, does this kid want to be? And you're gonna, you have all this stuff that you're like, you want to pile on them, and you have to. What? Oh look! Oh look at this! Look how they are. Interesting. Right. right. Well, then how do we help them flourish? And it's like I'm Is not that, even forcing this. It's like the the Buddha talking about suffering. Right? Suffering comes from desire, and parental suffering comes from this desire. You want <laughs> yes. your kids. I wish yeah. he could throw a mean spiral. Right. But boy, he sure likes playing the bass. Put down that damn bass! Right, right, right. That's suffering. You didn't for have everyone. the wrong kid. You didn't have the wrong kid. But that, Bobby, I can't wait to get this on the record. Let's savor the moment before this is on the record. Because from your new book, and I, t- this is why I called you. It's the two, three pages because your book is so short and easy to read and wonderful. So everything is profound, but it's not. You don't take a victory lap. You leave it on the table and you go. Boy, that ham smells good. And then you wait, just, wait, wait, wait. Is this what is the Bible? Yes. What is the Bible? <laughs> what I'm saying is, it's it's brief. Uh, some less uh, disciplined writers would be like, "Isn't that incredible?" And just keep. Re- so here's what I'm saying. That's you funny because it's t- twice as long as any of my other books. Yeah, but you know, if you put it in a traditional architecture, it probably wouldn't be. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's broken into chunks. It's one of the reasons I love it. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I'm tearing through it. I'm 100 pages in, but you know. <laughs> That's because it's it's, it's like the you can do it book. Like yes. you can make it another chapter. That's why you I know has... when you're in bed and you're reading a book and you're like, can I do one more chapter? And you see how long it is. With your book, you can always go oh, another good. chapter. You know what? That's on purpose. I know that there's forty. I know you're not a there's dope. like forty five or forty three chapters in the book. It's the best thing because... ever. <laughs> do you know when I sat down and I wrote down goals? We did this in Laguna on one New Year's. I, yes, I remember I wrote, that day. I was like, I want to write a uh, a book about God with short chapters. <laughs> That was one of the things. That's how much I love it. I specified with short chapters because I love it. Here's what I'm really excited about. Did I cut you off? No. You wrote this thing. We're talking about kids. We're talking about letting a building be what it is. We're talking about your kids letting them be what they want. But really, you even let – I feel you letting me be who I am. That's one of the great perks of the relationship from day one was just like complete – Freedom. You're one of the freest people I know, but you make other people free, which is oh, that's very kind smells of like the kingdom of God to me. <laughs> but anyway, you write this thing about trusting other people to God is the language that you use. But trusting uh, – you don't have to impose or change 
and and the thing about oh. God retelling. Oh. That's what I want. Would you mind? Yeah. Would you mind giving a little flavor to savor that God? <laughs> yeah. God's yeah. hope for the universe is to retell it. Do you know how many people I've told that to? Yeah, it's like one of the best ideas ever. It's one of the. I best. literally think it's one of the best ideas ever. Would you please? I know this podcast well, is free, but everyone will go buy the book <laughs> in appreciation for this point. Well, it's a uh, it's a word that occurs once in the Bible. So it's this word, it's used in a letter in the New Testament, and the writer's talking about the Christ, uh, so the universal energy animating, sustaining all of creation. What's keeping you together? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. When I talk about God, yeah, the universal I, I'm glue. talking about the love that keeps dandelion seeds. Yeah, 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 and in the New seeds. Testament, they call that the Christ. The Christ! Um, Who's talking over and over again. Yeah, so, so the central idea... I the, love it. So, so like central the... Idea, sorry. So, so, so it's interesting to me that the the New Testament writers after the Gospels, they don't talk that much about the Jewish rabbi in a boat feeding people with bread. They, they, they talk about Jesus, the Christ, and Christ isn't his last name. Right. They're talking about the Christ, and they keep insisting the Christ is present in all of creation from the very beginning. Right. Um, well, that's what Richard Rory says. He says yes. the Big Bang was the the inception of the Christ. Yeah. What we so, Christ. so the the central idea of the New Testament is there is a universal animating force, energy, and love holding everything together that we are all already in. So he, he holds all things together. Whew. So, so right there. But that always, when we were kids, let's, isn't that fantastic? Don't, don't even retro over that. When isn't we were that kids, fantastic? I felt like it was a, a huddle and a security. <laughs> right, right, right. He holds us all together right. like it's a right. hug. Right, right, right. But it's more than a hug. It's holding you together when you lost your job. Exactly. It was also, yeah! Yeah. So for so many, yeah. And this is the, the, the great blasphemous injustice that was done to the whole Jesus story was somehow there's this group of people who are in and everybody and they're trying to convince all these other people to try to get in when actually if you read those texts they're speaking of something that people all across the spectrum have expressed in one form or another using a variety of images yeah. and um, so so what's really interesting is the so then Jesus isn't something God cooked up at the last minute to try and like fix a problem like what am I going to do you don't have a job. Go down there. You know, Dad. <laughs> Jesus, get right, out of bed. Right, right. Hallelujah. He's risen. Get down there. <laughs> right. Right. They, it's almost as if there are great pains to say, listen, this isn't some sort of solution cooked up at, at the last minute. Right. This is God didn't this is goof and then revelation. send his best man. You're seeing the revelation of that which has been true the whole time. Right. Which now is we're just in a, having a different discussion altogether. But what's so interesting is this one word that is used. Is the uh, this fellow Paul of Tarsus says that what God is doing uh, in this Christ is anakafelusistain everything essentially. <laughs> now, the, what's interesting in the English, if you read an English translation, is it says um, bringing all things together or bringing things to unity in Christ, which is just one of those you just go, you just keep going. You're like. I, Great. What's that? Great. Great. Right. Right. Fantastic. It's like a what's for lunch? A corporate leader um, going like this retreat isn't over until we are all unified. And they're like, when's the open bar? Yes. Nobody cares. It's like so, oh, it's like a platitude. So boring. It's so. But boring. then you start realize, wait, wait, wait. What he is saying is that, and the whole thing is about the divine pleasure. God is doing this because of God's pleasure. So he paints this picture. If there is a God or some sort of divine force, whether you believe that or not, um, he says ultimate reality is joy. It's pleasure. 
right. is moving through the universe, is moving through all of creation, doing something. And what it's doing is anakafelusistaing everything, bringing it to unity. Now, in ancient uh, Greek, that word sometimes was used in math to describe a summing up. So what is the Christ doing? Christ is summing up, adding everything up together. Um, but that's goes up and grabs that denominator. Yes, exactly. It's like a math term. So yeah. you're like, eh. but sometimes also the word Anna means Anna cafe lose. It's two words. It's a word um, uh, again, and then the word like to head or to put a head on it. So is sort of bringing it all to a point or putting a new head on it. Which once again, it's like what? But sometimes the word gets translated to retell or to recapitulate. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, what he's saying is he's saying what the divine is doing is retelling the whole thing. Right. So you think about what happens. Oh, now think about your podcast. You go through this um, trauma of a divorce, and it's just that. It's an unreconciled trauma. Mm-hmm. It's betrayal. It's heartbreak. Um, and then you decide to start a podcast, and you start telling about all the stuff because when we were on tour and you were telling about the very thing that you're most like i wouldn't talk about that i want to start talking about that oh we got to tell that story i'm going to tell about my divorce and i'm going to talk about what it felt like and Anna Kafaloof. and then you start telling it and all of these about it you start talking about it you start recording yourself talking about it yeah and all of these people like thousands and thousands of people are like i know what that's like Right. And they connect, and something happens. Where the worst parts, this is in your book, where the worst parts become the best parts. So the best parts, the worst, most painful parts of what you went through, somehow get retold. And the key is without removing them. Mm. So recapitulation, retelling, anacafelusathine, is retelling something that happened and without removing the nasty bits. Right. So when you tell about uh, getting drunk on that balcony watching the fireworks, right. you don't go, well, I wasn't really that lonely. Right. You, 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 your retelling frees you to relive the worst elements in their most brutal detail. Yes. Because the whole thing has been run through a different lens. Right. You you give the example in the and book the, of a bad camping yeah, like, trip. Like, so when you go on that bad camping trip and it rains and you have to hike four miles because your car breaks down and someone's throwing up and it's just a, <laughs> just a train wreck. When you tell us – at the time, you're not laughing. You're like, Carol, get in the car. You're just <laughs> – ah! But then – and when you can't get the – when you can't fix the jack on the tire or whatever, yeah. you're out there just cursing up a storm in the storm because you're like, this is the worst camping trip ever. But then a year later at a dinner party when you start telling it – you're like, and it was raining cats and dogs. It was raining buses and texts. Yeah, 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 yeah. You lean into it. You lean into it, and this all of the worst parts are the best parts. Then, like those Eichler paintings, get flipped, and they are what make the story great. Right. Which, not, not just to promote crashing, that's what I love about retelling the trauma of Absolutely. starting comedy. Absolutely. So what's interesting about your show, which we'll get to on my list, <laughs> Is you have essentially gone through all this, and now crashing is in some ways an anacafelusistine of your life. Right. Leaning um, into the worst parts. And, yeah. So, like, when you're bombing in some of the early episodes. Right. And, and we know that you go on to be a, a successful world-renowned comic. Well, that's something you said as my yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said there's yeah. something going on where you're watching it, but you know it'll be okay because he's on HBO. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? You're like, there's something kind of meta going on. 
Exactly. You can tolerate the suffering because quietly, yeah. you know, it's okay. Yeah, so then the question becomes what happens when you're in the midst of a great uh, trial or suffering or pain? Um, then, then the art of spiritual maturity is you allow yourself to feel it in the moment, but you grow in your awareness of, can even this be retold? Yeah. Can even this at some point? Well, this is what we were always dancing around when we would go on the road. I would – one of my closing points was like, what if this is a dream? And one of the way when you look yeah. at your life as a dream, you look at it like a story in, like that's being told to you instead of something that's just happening. You're like, oh, you know, does that make sense? Yes. takes you out of it a little bit and you, and you, and you see it as something being told to you. Um, and that is what you're saying is God's hope. For everything. That's the whole point. Well, that was that was just a fascinating – to me what's so interesting is this writer in this obscure letter in the New Testament in this one line is saying, oh, the whole thing is being retold. Right. Which is just – once again, like do you believe that or not? Wrong question. What an unbelievable idea. Right. Just sit with that but and see it, if it goes to work on you because that's, that's, that's as big as wise it gets. It's in the faith, though. I mean, celebrating a guy that got tortured and crucified is oh right, like, right, right, and it all worked out. Again, here comes a hot Rogue One reference. There's a lot of <laughs> loss in that movie, but then the movie is like, but their sacrifice got us. It's not a spoiler. The movie's about getting the plans for the Death Star. It is, and it's all fantasy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I don't think it was a documentary, but it's another familiar story where you go. Look, all of that I happened. I don't think it's talking but, uh, but when we look back, we're like, that was incredible. Even even the bad parts. Right. Even the sad parts. My right. favorite part was the part that like broke my heart. I was like, ah. Right. So you're at a dinner party. And there's this guy at the end of the table named Alan. And Alan's like, I was pretty good from the beginning. Yeah. And then I tried some new stuff. And I was pretty good at that. And then I branched out, went into some new areas. Turns out I was winning there, too. At yeah. some point, I'm like, Alan's a Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like his stories. I don't even like Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants it. There's, no, it's just a flat line of success and winning. Right. Um, that the thing that we most regret and wish wouldn't happen to us is the thing that rescues us. But we it's know all the bumps and obstacles and bad camping trips. We know that, and wouldn't you agree that the, <laughs> one of the mystical journeys is to even while it's happening, not forget it? Absolutely. So isn't that the game? The game. Yeah, and at some level, the game is to grow in your gap, you in mean? your recapitulating, retelling, to shrink that gap. So, like, what now are you retelling it's, it in real time. It's 17 years uh. later, and you're realizing, oh, that horrible thing made me stronger. The idea would be in the moment, you're like, this is awful. You give it whatever expression it needs, but you're even in the moment going, I wonder yeah. how this. I wonder what this will do. Yeah, that's happened to me where, where a friend of mine or somebody is like really yelling at me. It's only happened a few times in my life and they're mad at me. And even while they're yelling, you're like, wow. Because when you say yes. stronger, I think that's sometimes where we lose people when we talk about like, don't worry, your suffering is going to make you stronger. Sometimes your, your suffering is going to make you weaker oh, right, right, right. in the way that you needed to be weaker. Oh, right, right, that right. is actually stronger. Yes, well, exactly. Well, we think it's like exactly. you're going to be more tan and thin and have a better butt because of your suffering. <laughs> We're saying – because Ram Dass talks a lot about dying, teaching you those profound lessons Absolutely. that yeah. you need to learn. And he says most people go through the most profound spiritual trans uh, transformation in the last five minutes of their life if you know that you're going. Yes. Or it could happen in the five seconds if you you know <laughs> something spontaneous happens. But you know, I, I think you understand what I was trying to say. It's not – 
obviously you don't come back from that and go and now I can sing in Portuguese. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. It, when we say it's it makes a different you kind stronger, of stronger, it's a different kind of saying. stronger. But I think that's a, again one of those things that got lost. God is your protection plan, and when you're suffering, He was out getting a margarita. That's a that's a wrong thing. And then this is what like strength being what we understand strength to be. When really, if the, if there isn't a clear message in the Bible, it's that strength in weakness. Strength is weakness. It's humility. It's in it's in suffering. It's Weak in is the new surrender. Strong. Weak is the new strong on Netflix now. <laughs> But surrender being a very, very strong thing. Yes. And that's the other thing that your this Anakamunu Malusas talks about is that we surrender and this is what AA is about, it's what Al Anon's yes. about, it's what a lot of things are about. The peace in surrendering, loving people for who they are, and this is another Ramdas thing coming in hot and going on a rant. Being spacious, this is what you do. Being spacious where if they want to change, they can. That you will provide them the free space if they want to grow and change and explore or grieve or rant or be stuck. You're spacious enough that they can do whatever they need to do. And if they're ready to change, they will. And if they won't. But you do surrender to the idea that God has them in the same way that God or whatever you want to say has you. The glue has you. The glue has them. Yeah. And when I started out in my work... I was so like, my job is to change people. Yeah. My job, they're at A, we need to get them to B. Yeah. They're at whatever, we need to get them to whatever. Right. Like, I need to get them from here to here. That's what, that's what leaders do. That's what, and that just didn't work. Right. And I had like a crisis of, what am I doing? Because, because if I meet somebody who wishes I was at the next click Mm -hmm. or the next place down the road, if I meet, I'm immediately resistant to them. Mm-hmm. I'm immediate. Some guy knocks on my door and was like, "Here, you could be." I'm out. Of course. Um, so there is something about giving people your best gift with nothing attached, right? And that I'm not just buttering your bread. Oof. That's something you do. I see. I see you do the two days, and it's in the ballpark of you know. I love Tony Robbins. It's like let's do it, and a lot of Type A ready to change. Maybe not even type A, but ready to change. Something's not working. I'm going to clean the house. People come and are tra- oh, oh, transformed. Yeah. But really, I think uh, knowing you as a person, that the 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 real uh, ministry is when you're quiet. Is when is when you're not selling anything. Not that you're selling anything. You know. Oh uh, no, I mean? yeah, right. But there's something going on that's equanimity. That's why I say you're one of the freest people I know. <laughs> you can talk to somebody, and this is what I picked up in your reading when. The preposterous idea that Rob would go and talk to atheists because <laughs> you didn't have a vacuum cleaner that you were trying to hawk. Correct. <laughs> Correct. But we all were, you know, when I was a kid, and maybe we've even talked about this, maybe we talked about this four years ago, I was like, why aren't we all pastors? If, that, if the name of the game is bringing people to Christ, why aren't we all pastors? <laughs> and I didn't buy anyone else's answer. They were like, well, you know, Jesus needs uh, feet on the ground in the office. I was like, that's ridiculous. Right, 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 right. You did a four-hour talk right. on PowerPoint, but you didn't mention Jesus at all. Just at the end, go, and if uh, you don't believe what I believe, you're doomed. <laughs> Just throw it in at the end. If you really believe that, you would do it differently. But when I was right. 31, we had started a church, Chris and I, when we were 28. When I was 31, a number of people got together in the church to have me removed as the pastor. Get him out. They, of like, organized, like pitchforks, to have me removed. And the exact language they used was, we're going to have your... Ordination papers revoked, which I was like, what are those? <laughs> if those are revoked, apparently, I was literally like, like that would shut me up. Right. Um, but at an early age, 
in my work Isn't was like, that, what, don't, can't you hear Jesus going, there are no papers, guys. What, what, are, you, <laughs> right, right. what are you talking, what are you guys about? talking about? There's no church either. This Central is just, office. <laughs> this is uh, stucco and this is fiberglass <laughs> insulation. The absurdity of it. I remember laughing out loud at that, that phrase being used about me. It's so... Like, were, were you thinking that this was something that I thought that I had right. that gave me something? Right. But the only way just... it could have been more passive is if they were like, your ordination papers have decided to move on. Yeah. Like they it's on the papers. Themselves. Yeah, they've revoked themselves. These Go revoke will, yourself. Will, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was so surreal and like, please tell me, you're punking me. You would, yeah. But it was also, oh, you can talk to people endlessly and, and make a case for whatever. And they may be like, no. In well, fact, yeah. you're not only, we're not only not buying what you're saying, we're uh, against you. Right. And actually everything you've been saying that you think is making your case for us is convincing us that you actually have lost your way. What a terrible feeling. Yeah. So I had that happen once where I got a girlfriend a gift and she she was kind of crazy and she – Ended oh, up read it the other way. It read, she read it the other way. It, yeah. I, it wasn't like I gave her weight loss pills or something. It was a thoughtful, nice gift, and it just completely backfired. And somehow, this she was kind of borderline. Would ended up screaming at me. And I was talking to my friend Joe DeRose, and I was like, "Why does it hurt so much?" And he goes, "Pete, you made he he brought it to the family. He's like, it's like when you're a kid and you make your mom a cake, and she just screams at you for using the cake mix." Because she was saving it or whatever. Like when you're intending uh, to do good and it actually gets you in trouble is one of the worst feelings in the world. Yes. So here you are with a council telling you <laughs> that your cake is going to hell. <laughs> is this devil's food cake? Because this cake's going to hell. Well, what a heart, was it heartbreaking or were you able in that moment to do what we're talking about, which is like, oh, this too shall be retold. It was hot. It was like fire. It was like fire. And uh, it was all women's equality, actually. I've been doing this whole thing. And women should be free to be everything they're here to be. God. You know what's so funny? As you say that, I'm like, <laughs> the Rob Bell movie. <laughs> when, when we're old men and we look back and we're like, Rob, they made a movie about you. And it's VR, of course. Is going to be amazing because you couldn't have scripted a better reason. It's almost like you, you want to get caught leaving your neighbor a gift on the windshield of their car and they come out and you're like, oh, sorry, Bob. You got fired for the gift on the windshield sticking up for women. I didn't get fired ultimately. Right. But, but you were in trouble for saying women have. People were quite riled up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was for something where you're like, that would have been like whatever 2000, whatever the year was. Like, are you serious? Are, we, are you really, you're really having a problem with any of this. Right. Um, yeah. but, but going back to what you're saying about the spacious space, in some senses, you're, you, uh, if you're really serious about helping people or something, then the best thing, you are trying to live in such a way that perhaps you, uh, um, people would become hungry for a food they didn't know existed. Yeah. I That's that. just what's interesting. Right. That's the people who have most admired me. I most admire is you're, you're around them and – Suddenly, new possibilities exist. Right, that didn't, exist. and you're drawn into those by desire, not compulsion or guilt, or it's desire that actually shapes us. Right, I, I want that. Right, but it's not what I always thought it was. You know how quick I am to point this out. It's not, boy. I saw Charles stub his toe, and he he said drought instead of damn. You know what I mean? What's wrong with him, by the way? <laughs> uh, it, but that's not a free. That's not a free thing. That's a, that's another guy going like you're talking about the cultural 
uh, consciousness of a community, of a neighborhood, of a time, of a, oh. of mm-hmm. a country. That's just a value that we have. It's not an eternal value. It goes like he said the right word instead of the wrong word. You know what I mean? It yeah. got turned into being a magnetic Christian to me didn't was the opposite of I could go to them with my problem. It was like they were so oh, holy. If oh, you touched yeah. them, you'd sizzle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like holy water on you. You'd be like, ah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, we didn't want to keep the baby. <laughs> like, I guess I can't talk to Roberta, even though. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, You're saying and, something that's – and isn't this the core of your message, that it's actually compelling? Well, and, and the, the interesting paradox – because anytime you go to source, you'll get paradox. The interesting paradox is the kind of person who creates space where you are completely accepted and loved and embraced exactly as you are. And yet that very acceptance, grace, and love somehow provokes within you the desire to be a better person. Mm. You, you. It is both one hundred percent, absolutely fine that you are exactly who and where you are. Right. And yet, it is that total acceptance of you without requiring anything of you. It's like a wife that it's like, creates within you the very. This is what happened the first. That's time. why I do the dishes, Rob. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I yes, don't do the dishes yes. when I'm in trouble. I do yes. the dishes because I'm not in, and never have been in trouble. Yes. That I've never done something yeah. to Valerie. Or that's ever made her be like, screw you. You know, it's not happening. Yes. So that's why I do the dishes. This is, and isn't that better? This will, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting excited. I, was ta- I, I spoke at a Zen conference a couple weeks ago. Ooh. And I the, remember. And then took question, at the end, one of the first questions is a woman said, I mean, how do you, my husband has no interest in any of this. I mean, he didn't even, he should have come to this and he didn't. How do I even get him to change? Mm. And, like, the question, of course, is loaded with a thousand things. Sure. And I was like, well, why don't you try treating him as if he's exactly the husband that you wished he was? Mm. Treat him like that. Thinking that that was, like, the first sentence of an answer. And the woman just... Wow. Yeah. Immediately, the tears just started pouring. She's like, well, that would change everything. <laughs> Next, <laughs> love versus fear, I suppose. Yeah, and and that and that obviously that things are often way more more complicated than that. But it is what shapes us and changes us. Right, is when it's. I mean, grace. You experience grace. You are exactly in as you are, totally loved and accepted. And that makes you want to do and the dishes. That's <laughs> and when that happens. It evokes something out of you. Mm. Really, really, really powerful. Yeah. It's funny because we, I think we went at it backwards. We were like, when you, uh, let's not call it holy or anything like that, tuned in. That's something that we like. Mm-hmm. You know, like clean antenna. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> Whatever in. you want. Dipped dip, in. Dip, dip. <laughs> Come on. You're there. Yeah. And that, you talk about the fundamental principle of the universe being love and, and joy. The, this thing is experiencing itself because it loves experiencing itself. Yes. It's like getting off. I don't mean that yes. in a crude no. way. It's no. It's swirling. It's good. It's, it's going, good. It's good. Trees, if, good. Frogs, yes. good. Planets, good. That's right. People, very good. That's oh, yeah. right. That's oh, yeah. right. But we... Hype man. <laughs> oh, hype man? God's hype man? Yeah. Jesus was originally God's hype man. Go. More. <laughs> it's all that energy. Um, and then we... So when you're tuned into that love, then you start maybe 
having external symptoms. The joyfulness, if mm. Jesus lives in your heart, tell your face sort of stuff. <laughs> but then as human beings will, we realized, okay, people, what do I want? I want it to be loved and accepted and cared for. I want good birthday presents. I want, you know, love and friends and all that stuff. And, and one of the things that our culture values is, you know, ethical, you know, church person, like a, a good person. Does this make sense? Yes. So instead of doing the dipping in, we just were like, I'll just do an impression of the people that are dipping. <laughs> yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like which... wearing makeup instead of actually eating foods that make your skin radiant. Right. Like it's like guy? law versus spirit. It's law versus, law versus gospel. All right. Yeah. If you fall here, because every situation has its laws, the three things, the four things you need to do. Right. If you do these, then. Yeah. And then there is this thing called gospel or grace, which is the announcement. You already are. Right. So how about living in or up to who you already are? Right. Ah. Right. And I've heard it said, too, it's not about uh, learning anything. It's about forgetting some of the things that are blocking it. It's like this belief, like we're saying, the the culture and the the times and everything that you inherited. That's why when they say we're taking away these papers – See, you know, I always talk to you about mushrooms, and one of the reasons is, but you're a very dipped-in person. That's why I think you would like it. You, it wouldn't be taking you anywhere you haven't already been a, a lot of your life. I've seen this episode. Well, exactly, <laughs> but you'd love it. I actually think it would be more like, I've seen this episode. But on mushrooms, uh, and for me, this isn't a discussion about drugs as much as, I, for some reason, those edibles put you in a place that when I meditate or fast or dip in or listen to Alan Watts for six hours, I get there as well. There are other ways there, but for some reason, they hit it in this mushroom as well. When you eat it, the thought of a paper that allows you to speak, this paper (laughs) says you can speak, you would laugh Right, the tears. theater of it. All it's you have why is the Buddha theater is laughing. It. Yes. It's why Jesus yes. is so calm, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or whatever he is. Yeah. It's yeah. because, and also thoughts like lying, it doesn't make any sense. It's not because you lie, you don't lie because people told you not to lie. You go, why? What a violation to me. If I had something in this, I feel like an Easter candy and I'm hollow, and all the mystery that's inside that chocolate. And I know I get my hands on one of those ethereal thoughts and feelings. And instead of telling you, I I misrepresent it. You just know yeah. why would you do that? And it's funny and it's yes. sad. Yes. And then the other thing I kept saying, I was like, everything is for later. You guys are missing it. <laughs> Which is another thing that when people are dying, they feel. I think though, I think this is why we became beloved friends. Yeah. Is I think we came from these slightly different trades or crafts. Yeah. That were dipping into each other. I was leaning sort of into yours and you were leaning into mine. For sure. Um, but our, our insistence. I kept dipping my chip in your, <laughs> in your sour cream and you kept coming over and dipping mine into my hummus. <laughs> or salsa. Um, or one of the three salsas. The, 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 our frustration with how, the, the, how this modern world, this matrix, sapped so many people of the look at this. That's right. Look at this. And look at this. I as think a it drives you, you and I right now. I think it drives you and I at a deep, probably more than we even realize. Right. You're, you're you all are complaining about the gas station prices in your neighborhood that went up fifty cents. Death by flooring. We're still you're come. 
There, there is a. And then sometimes we fall for it too. That's when we dip out. And then, and like, that's what? when you're on the floor in the fetal position. And that's when I'm drying right. the blinds and drinking. Right. You know what I mean? Like we have different ways, but it's the same feeling where yes. I'm like, the orcs win today. How this did is, I lose the plot? This is the story Tolkien didn't write because it would bum everyone out. They just took a whole shire. <laughs> it was a massacre. <laughs> it was just bad. They one didn't of, even know what happened. One of my favorite books that's shaped me as much as any book, which I need to buy for you for yeah. your birthday. When's your birthday? It's in like two days or something. It's on the 30th. No way. Yeah, I keep Okay, then I'm going to get it for you. You know, um, when you, it, it, life is so... But as a, uh, the Robert, there's this yeah. Four days. pioneering artist named Robert Irwin, and Lawrence Weschler did a book, which was 30 years of interviews with this avant-garde artist named Robert Irwin. The book is called Scene is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees. Oh, wow. It's, it's it has shaped me as much as any book, but the opening epigraph. Can we just talk about the? T- keep I talking. know the title. Let's talk alone, about the title. This is why the book will change your life. Seeing I, I, I just the name. wrote it down. And friends of mine who I've gotten the book for are like, "A, you're right. One years. of the best books ever. B, now they're always like, say, now I understand. Now I feel like I understand you better. But um, Robert Irwin was just just did so many things in pursuing a line of inquiry with his art that. But um, the opening epigraph of the book is he was given an honorary degree at some art college and he wasn't going to do it. So he, but then at the last minute he decides to go and accept this degree. He walks up on stage and says, "I wasn't going." At that point, he's seventy or eighty. He says, "I wasn't going to accept this degree because he's the kind of guy who would laugh at like, really, you're going to give me an honorary degree?" He says, "I wasn't going to accept this degree, but I decided to so that I could stand up here and say, the wonder is still there." Just to those people, the wonder is still there, wow. and then he walks off. No. So this 80-year-old guy, the wonder is still there. I just wanted you to know that. And right. then he's just gone. Is and it, I think that's, that is what is, drives so much of what we what do. What we do. And yeah. that, like racquetball or golf, wonder <laughs> is a hobby. that Because I love asking old people, do you feel older? Yeah. I ask Norman Lear, do you feel older? In your, not yeah. your body, but yeah. do you feel older? Not your brain sharpness. You, behind all that. And they always say no. And that's a trip, man. Right. And that always comes out when old people go, I blinked and I was 70. And it's like, because you're still there. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's one of the fundamental things that we, we enjoy is like we, we talk with such certainty about who we are. But it's like teenage you thought your dad singing along with the radio was the most pain you could feel. And you don't feel that anymore because it's about your thoughts and your beliefs being secondary to who you really are. That's the juice. Yes. That's the wonder. Yes. Is, is, and this is something that I've been saying on the podcast, and I, I, I love saying it again because I think it bears repeating. I need to say it back to myself. Is it's not about what you think as, as, as much as I lost it as I was saying that pop-up. What were we saying? There is an essence. There is a core essence to your soul, to who you are. Right. That transcends your particular opinions at this moment. That's it. And, and getting the brain out of the way. Timothy Leary yes. says you have to go out of your mind to learn how to use your head. And he talked about he was talking about psychedelics, but there's something about going, oh, this was never about the contents of the gray matter. When you right. die, God right. doesn't put it in a machine and go, Rob didn't drink coffee. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Rob did believe in the Nicene Creed. That's good. That's very good. Let's, let's not note that on here. Yes. Oh, Rob did sometimes get blue. He didn't trust in me that day. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a one for the no. It's not a football game. You know Correct. what I mean? That Correct. was just your software. Your thoughts are so. When we when I did the Robcast, I talked about belief, and I was like, believing is so weak. I believe the keys 
are on the on the counter. Oh, they're probably not on the counter. But what I was really saying was, what you're holding on to and what you're clinging to is your beliefs and your thoughts. Is 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 not what it's about. When you say I'm a Christian, what you should really say is I have Christian thoughts, <laughs> or Christian thoughts are pleasant to me. You know what I'm saying? The ego loves all those labels. That's the ego made ordination ego papers. Loves all that scaffolding. <laughs> it just keeps stacking it up higher. Right. Here's what I am. Right. Who are you? Now I want you to understand that I used to be this, but now I'm this. I just need, I need you to know that so that I'll know it. That's right. And I'm trying to convince you of it because I'm trying to convince me of it. Right. Ah, oh, the ego loves. Well, that's what Ramda says. All is like, that. I'll pretend oh. you are who you are, who you think you are, if you pretend right. I am who I think I am. And we right. just go around hitting the ball back and forth, going, "There's Rob." Right. And you and I do enough interviews to go, "There's Rob, Christian <laughs> pastor turned spiritual author." Mars Hill. You know, they, they, we love, and this is, I always mention this, this is where we get racism. This is where we get advertising. This is where we, you know, we think, uh, I always say, a can of Coke is a good time at the beach. Because your, your thoughts are, are uh, It's helpful at one level. It's helpful at one level, but let's, let's go to the next level. And Absolutely. And the next level, and the next level, and the next right. level. I have this picture from when I was 13. I should show it to you. I have this picture, and I, just, and it, I made it into a poster and put it up on my wall of the our back house because all I know from when I was in middle school is I had all these questions about how the whole thing works. Mm. And I still I still find that fundamentally interesting. Yeah. Um there is some continuity to your essence. Right. That like if I met you if we were went back and I could see video of you at twelve, mm-hmm. there is a Pete Holmes there is something about who you are and the gift that you are to the world that has stayed true. There was still there. There was some kernel of something there. Right. That was beyond and, your thoughts. And yes, exactly. That was beyond me going, I'm a happy boy. Right. Because my mom told me I'm and a happy what boy. What you learned, what you thought then, what you did, there is, some, there is some level of soul that's like five miles deeper than how right. tall you were and what you had for breakfast. Right, right, right. And most, oh, Ramdas talks about most people stay at like first level. Mm. It's just who you are and how much you have. Oh, yeah, I, that's right. Most most people rarely go below just basic first-level identification of right. ethnicity and income and where you live. and what. Right. Um, rarely do people go below. I and know. that's where it gets interesting. It is where it gets interesting. And last time we did Largo, you talked about, was it mine, body... Soul, oh spirit. yeah, body, soul, spirit. Yeah, and you were, and you. I was so happy because uh, you were you were t- uh, reinterpreting, and we're all reinterpreting the same ideas. But it felt like you were going off the Ramdas thing, which is that talk about like we have our identity. Oh, then, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the channels thing. The, one, the channels thing, which you, I've, I've heard him done a million times, where he's like, channel two is. The idea that I think it's the, like of chapter soul. four of Grist for the Mill for the record, everybody. Ooh, editor's note. Editor's note. I'm just note, saying. Footnotes. <laughs> he also, there's lots of talks on YouTube, but he's like, you turn it on. Yeah, I, I bet I could do it word for word, but it's like the second channel. He's like, he makes this joke where he's like, it's like we don't have cable. <laughs> it's like most of us don't have cable. And we're talking about cable. It's like the first level is who you think you are, your identity, your, your race, your, your gender, all this stuff. Yes. Who your parents tell you are, who your society tells you you are, and your personality and all that. And then level two is your soul. And then meaning you're, you're the thing observing it. And then when you – he gets into astral identities, which I never even really understand. And archetypes and such. Archetypes, And then from yeah. there you go to all is connected. Right. All is connected. All is one in the divine When I look at you – 
it's me looking at myself, looking at myself, looking at myself. And then when you click it one more, which I noticed in your show, uh, episode one in the in the front yard, Leaf does a little yeah. of chapter four, Chris. For the he's middle. right. Yeah, Leaf, <laughs> Leaf like, is oh right. Word. He's you like, I'm you. In, when you made a show, you put that on the lips of one of your characters. But look at uh, I was just talking to Larry Wilmore about Martin Luther King. Um, why they did nonviolent protest. And I was like, I was thinking about this on the ride over because, you know, I, I think about the episodes for a few days after. And I was like, Dr. King was doing something where if you hit someone, look, I understand the argument. If you want to talk about Malcolm X and like, if someone puts their hand on you, brother, you make sure they don't do that again. You're like, I get that. We need both of these ideas, these energies. I understand both sides. But I think what Dr. King was going for, I'd like to hear what you think, is if someone hits you, right, and you hit them back. You're agreeing to the narrative of us and them. There's you and, the, and there's me. You hit me. I'm your enemy. I hit you back. But if you don't do anything, you're just like you're trying to show through your passivity you're just hitting yourself. Why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting <laughs> yes. yourself? You know, does that make sense? Yes. The, of myth of, the myth of redemptive violence is that a corresponding act of violence will make it better. Right. You bomb us. We bomb you. That will make it better. Right. At which point we have agreed to your rules. That's right. You did it, an when, injustice to us, and so then we you can really decided. Go, someone goes, should we bomb them back? And you go, I think that's the wrong question. <laughs> and the, and the, yes. da, the, da, the, the Dalai Lama talks about, like, we need to learn to sit and grieve and listen to each other without an agenda. That's what we're talking about. That spacious, hey, what's it like to be Palestine? All right, I'm just going to listen. Have we – wait, have we done third way before? I don't know. Punching if someone strikes you? No. Have I you and know. I done this? No. Are you going to punch me? <laughs> I can't believe we haven't talked about this before. Okay. Um, you know, turn the other cheek. Yes. Jesus says, turn the other cheek. Right. Where does that come from? First century Jewish rabbi says, turn the other cheek. He says, if somebody hits you on the right cheek, turn to them the left, the other one also. Mm-hmm. Turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Well, in the first century, there were two ways. First off, in the first century, you would only hit somebody with your right hand. Your left hand was used for... Poo-poo? Bodily functions, yeah. right? So the right hand. You've heard all this, right? What the? Do you I, like that? No, no, no. I, like I said poo poo. So I looked. Like that. <laughs> you like that when Pete said poo poo? This is the cleanest podcast I've ever recorded. By the way, <laughs> this will be the only non-explicit content podcast. Are you I've really? Ever done. You're editing. No, I'm just not oh, saying anything for Violet. Oh, that's kind. Of, um, <laughs> uh, oh, okay. We we talked about this before, right? Tell me again. Oh my word! This is one of the. You, oh, only, you only hit with the I right I love hand. this. Okay, so you would just only hit somebody with the right Now, there are two ways to hit somebody. You would punch somebody who was an equal, mm-hmm. and you would slap somebody who was below you. And first century culture was hierarchical across the board. Men, women, uh, Greeks, Romans, slaves, everything was hierarchy. Where do you rank? It's like the two so, versus usted of slapping. <laughs> <laughs> The first person to ever take <laughs> Spanish conjugations and apply them. He didn't even use usted. To subversive, nonviolent yeah. first century thought. So someone slaps you as a okay, two and so they punch said, you as an usted. So he says, if somebody hits you on the right cheek, well, here's my right fist facing you. Yeah. Be pretty hard for me to punch your right cheek. It's not natural, yeah, if we're facing so, uh So when he, he says that, it's implicit with a slap. A backhanded slap. Somebody... And, and actually, some new translations say if somebody slaps you on the right, they change it to affect to acknowledge these two different ways of hitting. So when Jesus says if somebody hits you on the right cheek, well, you couldn't really with your right hand punch somebody in the right cheek. You would have slapped them. Right. Turn to them 
the other cheek. Well, now if I try and slap your left cheek facing you, that's awkward. Yeah. I would have to punch you. If somebody slaps you, if somebody treats you as less than human below them, turn the other cheek, which means now you have to punch me. And what does that imply? So imagine you have a courtyard with a group of slaves who have been repeatedly humiliated by the master who comes along slapping them. And the one slave gets slapped and stands up and turns the left cheek. What does the master do? You're standing there as the master. If you punch them, you've just acknowledged them as an equal. Right. They, that has just... You're treating them as a man. You have just completely altered the hierarchy. Right. You're, but if you do nothing, this, uh, they've just won that round. So what turning the other cheek was was a third way. It was a third way of responding. So generally when we're wronged... It was we, like winning by losing... Uh, yes. What it does, well, it does several things. Yeah. First off, turning the other cheek then took tremendous courage and imagination. It wasn't a passive thing. Most people are like, I guess I'm supposed to turn the other cheek, which means I guess I'm supposed to do nothing. But turning the other cheek was actually something. It was brave and courageous. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it also, most of the times when we're wronged, we believe we have two options. I either do something similar back, which is revenge. Oh, and it keeps the violence in circulation. Or I guess uh, there's nothing I can do here. I guess I'm supposed to turn the other cheek. Mm. And that is passivity, which always leads to despair. Mm. So turning the other cheek was actually a third way. So when Martin Luther King is practicing nonviolent resistance, that is third way. He wasn't responding to the injustice with further injustice, but he also wasn't doing nothing. Right. And that is the power of third oh, way thinking wow. is generally – People only see two options. I either they bomb me, I bomb them, which in, at which point I lose all moral high ground. Mm. Or I guess I'm just supposed to take it. Mm-hmm. Think about turning the other cheek. You know, I guess you're just supposed to turn the other cheek, which means you're just supposed to take it. Hmm. Um, but third way thinking is there's always a third way. Wow. There's always a, so um, if somebody forces you to go one mile I was just with say, your pack. Yeah. Okay, Roman military law said that a Roman soldier could pull anybody over at any time and say, you carry my pack. And by the way, what carries packs? Generally, like animals would carry packs, donkeys. Someone treats you less than human like an animal. If somebody forces you to go one mile, according to Roman military law, you could only, as a Roman soldier, force a civilian to carry your pack one mile. So Jesus says, somebody comes along and treats you essentially like a donkey and forces you to carry their pack one mile, which was happening all the time. Go to. Well, the moment you cross the mile marker into the second mile, if that Roman soldier gets caught with you carrying the pack now, <laughs> the Roman soldier gets in trouble. So, what happens in that exact moment when you cross into the second mile? The Roman soldier's who was the powerful, mean, nasty, brutish one with all the power right. is now telling you, uh, "Stop! No, seriously, you need to stop, please." You. This is a. It's like instead of. It's like I disagree with your premise. Yes. It's like that's the wrong question. Will you, right. ca- will you carry my pack? I'm going to say, will you carry my pack? That's the wrong question. <laughs> but yes, I will. It's the papers again. It's giving somebody who is being knocked around and being dehumanized. The moment you carry the pack the second mile, you have now flipped all the power. How, <laughs> how is this stuff? Because, you know, Martin Luther King, long time ago, 
Not a lot. Not, not Which is why ago. we're still talking about him, by the way. But that's what I'm saying. How is it? I feel like I live in the Da Vinci Code sometimes. And I know you <laughs> felt this way, too. You, you know, you wrote Love Wins and you were like, I, I, this was really inspired by this other book, which is much older. So it's almost like throughout history there have been these little uh, secret cells or people, like little people. Like Martin Luther King, understanding something through it, like three-dimensional understanding yes, exactly, of it. exactly, exactly. So think about – I'll seek an example. The Republican presidential primary debates. Mm-hmm. What would you do with ISIS? I would – candidate number one, I'd bomb them. Candidate number two, I'd bomb them and their friends. Candidate number three, I'd bomb them and their friends and their families. Yeah. But candidate number four, I'd bomb the whole area and their kids. Wow. Bo- right? Yeah. It was like who can – you never had a candidate say, is the whole bombing working – Right. You never had a candidate go, well, I would ask larger questions like, why are people so easily radicalized into ISIS? Right. Are there conditions? Maybe there's no jobs. There's no food. There's no education. There's no housing. Maybe there are conditions that make people more susceptible to radicalization. Why don't we ask those sorts of questions? Right. What if we – Which we do, and I'm not saying ISIS is like (laughs) uh, inner city gangs or whatever, but when people have compassion and go – why did this per- person's school system fail them? Did their neighborhood fail them? Did their police fail them? Did the economics fail them? Yeah, I would sling drugs too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like we right. all know that. Right, right, How many right. times does Jay-Z have to tell us that he sold kilos and we're like, yeah, that's great, man. I, you, you did what you could with what you had, right? The hustle, is, yes. Is there something going on that we could understand? So you, you – and in many ways, third way, third way thinking is always about imagination, Mm. Um, turning the other cheek took tremendous imagination. Well, the, I, I've said it many times on the podcast. You've probably heard me say it, but I love saying it, is that hate is a lack of imagination. Absolutely. There's nothing and creative about it. Hell is a lack of imagination, Absolutely. Too, right? Absolutely. It's boring, basic <laughs> – sorry, Violet – shit. Yes. <laughs> I made sure she was listening. That was worse. I should have just said it. It's so basic. It got reduced. It got boiled down and, and reduced, and it's no longer exciting. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. When it comes to helping people, and these are exciting ideas, and there are these secret uh, next level people. I think of our friend Richard Rohr. Absolutely. Who is open that he preaches on Sunday PB&Js. And if you'd like to join him for the weekend, I'm not talking about like (laughs) playing ping pong and getting drunk in robes. I'm talking about like I can serve you the prime rib. Like if if you're ready. Like real stuff. Because he knows, and I believe he said this on your podcast, that people can only change 10% at a time. And he goes, and that's on a good day. That yes. your, your yeah, beliefs, yeah. you hold, we hold on to them so desperately. And it's, again, it's another thing that mushrooms help you do is all that stuff gets swept away, which is a really nice three hours to just forget who you are. And then you're back. And then you're back, which exactly. Yeah, exactly. and that's, that's the, the and, problem. You and, can't stay in the room. It, you know what Ramdas says? He says that's getting kicked out of the of the party because you're wearing the wrong garment. Yeah, isn't that good? Which is why you you talked about the kingdom of God. Yeah, all the images surrounding the kingdom of God: seeds, yeast. There, something very very small takes root, mm. and then it just grows, and it takes a while. So the number. The, the number of people I meet who are like, how do I get my f- – I, I see the whole thing now. I, I'm, how do I get my whole family? Whatever it is, 
first off, you have very little control over that. Secondly, whatever it is, it will take a while. Well, Jesus talks about the seeds, right? It will I mean, take a while. Yeah, his, yeah. His, his image is for the kingdom of God. But I want to send my mother a book and change her life. <laughs> and we talk about this all the time. It's, it's like I, I, I get so excited about where I've grown to. Let me ask you this. Have you ever grown to a point, maybe just for an afternoon, where you see the code so clearly you're actually a little worried you've lost your mind? <laughs> I'll tell you what I mean. I, I, um, I wouldn't say I... Not lost your mind for real, but been like, this um, is a little... Disor- dangerous. Um, uh, disorienting. You start to feel like a cliche. Yeah. Here, here's what I said to Val. I go, uh, and this isn't that crazy, but, you know, I get a little excited and I'm like, you know, La La Land is the story about a woman who wants to become famous because she wants to be a movie star. She wants to be special. And that's what we consider to be special. Flowers also want to be beautiful and special so that bees would come and pollinate them and then make more of them. So a movie star wants their face on movie screens. They want to be ubiquitous. They want to be omnipresent. That's why Joseph Campbell says the cathedral of cinema is there's Brad Pitt on the screen, but you know Brad Pitt is somewhere eating a cheeseburger. You know he's elsewhere. So he's done the impossible. He's multiplied himself. So do the flowers multiply themselves. They're in a type of show business. If I'm beautiful, if I'm flourishing, if I can attract a bee with my color and my fragrance and all my moves and the way that I open just right to the sun, maybe I'll have a whole field and the color, of me. The color, the beauty of the flower is not uh, on the side. That's right. It's not a luxury. Right. Its color is how it seduces, how it attracts. That's right. So its color and its, its beauty, beauty is integral. Ah! Its beauty is integral to its survival. It's part of it. Aesthetics are central it's to the whole trying thing. Trying to please the bee. Yes. And the bee, in turn, pleases the flower by making. You know, I can't yes. say the flower is a consciousness that goes. That was nice, but I'm just saying it's. It seems to be the flower's goal to reproduce itself. This is how it should be. And then I. And then I. This is where I got a little nuts. I was like. All stories are about flowers and cells. I was like, the cells in my body are conspiring to maybe be like, imagine if we could be a nose, you know, like when I was an embryo. They were like, let's get together with these special cells. I know that's a little nuts, but I was just like, everything is about attracting and creating, if that makes sense. Absolutely. There, there is a, what is his name, Dr. Terry? There is a biologist who was studying species of beetles, and I want to say Panama. He and his students were fogging trees. Because they were studying all the different variations of beetles, and they would fog a tree and then take these tarps, and all the beetles would fall out of the tree, and then they could parse them and start to lay them out and figure out how many different species. Because <laughs> they were fascinating in biodiversity, famous case, famous study. And there was a tree. I want to say it was in Panama where they fogged it. The beetles came out, and when they got done sorting, there were twelve hundred variations of beetles in a tree. So they started extrapolating <laughs> how many different trees are in that forest, that forest in that country, that country in Central America, that country, like, and it's a it's a classic case of the diversity. Right. It's like creation is going, or you think about the oceans. What is it? We've explored five percent of the oceans. So everything you know about ocean life comes from roughly the, the estimates are last I saw five percent of the ocean. Right. So what else? Which is why nothing coming from the ocean surprises us. So diversity. This one had a cell phone. There is a YouTube <laughs> clip of post-tsunami 2004 weird things that washed up in, in Thailand. Whoa. It's just stuff no one had seen before. Really? <laughs> yes. So diversity and difference. Like the whole thing is, is showing off 
all the time. Well, that goes back to the swirl all time. of whatever. Why, yes. aren't, why aren't we just a mosquito swarm of molecules floating in nothingness? Why does it naturally move towards a flower diversity and expression? Well, that's why Buddha, yeah. the famous yeah. sermon of the Buddha, is he held up a flower. And the story goes, only one of his disciples got it and started weeping. And that's it. That's, yes. that's what dipped in feels like. And yes. that's why it's funny when Louis, Louis C.K. doesn't have to say it, but why do we love that bit about Louis? Everybody seems to love it. On the plane with the guy, they tell them that Wi-Fi is on the plane, and then they tell him it's not working, and then the guy's angry. And he's like, you're angry at something that you didn't know existed five minutes ago. All of this sort of commentary is nudging us to like, what are we on about? Like, that is funny. I just recorded a podcast before I came over here, and I told about a flight I recently did from LAX to London. Yeah. And um, the guy next to me emailed the whole time. He did 11 hours straight on his computer. Wow. So it's middle of the night. I'm in and out of sleep, and every time I wake up, he's typing. Like, he's in a metal tube 30,000 feet above the Atlantic in the middle of the night. Right. Well, this is why my ways bit bothers me. And this is why I, yes. think, I think people get mad at people on cell phones is one of the last remnants of culturally accepted. Why aren't you being in the moment? Right. Yes, now? exactly. You're not mad at two people talking on a subway, but if someone gets a signal for a brief moment by the grand L and they start making business calls, everyone hates that person. And if, yes. and I was just on a flight where the business, there were some agents or something behind me making calls the whole time, and you're just mad at him for continuing the, the, the plate spinning. We're like, yeah. it's, it's all real. These calls are important. Money is the best kind of thing. And we're like, the plane is the last thing, the last place we have to turn our phones off and just. Right. That's why I always talk. I always get my, one of my go tos is seeing a speck of dust in a beam of light on a, on a plane. Because when else are you just sitting there? When else are you <laughs> Because you go to the doctor's office and you check in and they say, the doctor, take a seat. We'll be with you a moment. You sit down, you scan the coffee table. There's no magazines that look interesting to you because you don't golf. And then you have this moment where instinctually what the culture has done is shaped you to tilt your head down and pull up your cell phone. Right. And if you could resist that Pavlovian response right. and just sit, there's this world of – I'm gesturing towards Pete's chest. There's this <laughs> world of hope and joy and trauma and longing and wound and euphoria and anticipation and desire that's lurking right within you. Right. And every time you – it's the it's those gaps. It's something somewhere else sometime <sighs> else. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and you I, – I, I tweeted – I don't think I tweeted. I almost tweeted, to be a modern Buddha, all you have to do is not look at your phone for 20 minutes, which is actually one of the things I've noticed about you. Hard to get you on the phone and every time I love it. It would make me so sad if I called you and you're like, what's up, man? Hey, I'm actually on the other line. Let me get rid of him. I would. I well, mean, I this <laughs> starting, uh, I finished this tour last November, so a couple months ago, and I was so tired and cooked. So I decided I would spend the first part, starting in December, I would spend the first part of the day in silence. Hmm. And I wouldn't do phone or email or any screen until late in the day. Hmm. So this, this started the end of, beginning of last December. Hmm. And this world of pain and wound and uh, satisfaction, all this stuff started to, like, come to the surface that I didn't know was in there. Hmm. And I started carrying pen and paper with me 
so I could just note different things and like experience that had happened earlier last year that in the moment because your your perception is selective. So all the things that like right now you can hear some people downstairs talking. Mm-hmm. You can hear she's moving this. There's all um, your perception has to be selective of stimuli that are coming at you. Otherwise, you'd be overwhelmed all the time. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that your your sonar radar system, known as your body, didn't pick it up. Mm-hmm. And then later, it's all just in there. And when you create space to just let it come up and get whatever expression it wants, and then I've, you're no longer carrying it around and you're lighter. Ah. Ah. <laughs> I didn't That's see that happens. coming. I thought I thought you were done. Oh, no. That's great. Think about you're carrying it. So think about memory. Think about an awkward conversation that you had. If you can recall it for me, then it is present in you at some level. Right. Memory, cells, how it, wherever it is that you carry it around within you, you were carrying it around. But you give it the expression that it needs. You work it through. You process it. You even just note, oh, that was really awkward. Because in the moment you didn't, you just went to the next call. Right. Now it's like a, it's like a knot got untied. This is why like deep therapy and all these Absolutely. And, and hypnosis is like can be so relieving because you ended up like processing something that you didn't even take you were the time. bound up with something that you didn't even know. And this goes back to probably why we get so exhausted. Absolutely, I actually think that's the thing. And and uh, this is the thing that is happening now is billions of dollars are being spent to get you to look down at your phone, right? Because every little, every single click is data that somebody is selling to somebody for something. So never before in human history have billions of dollars been spent to make sure that you, Pete Holmes, don't just stare out the window right. or just stare at the dust bag. Right. So no wonder more people than ever have more luxuries, entertainment. You'll never be bored again, and yet also have more despair, more sense. Because like, we didn't have stuff. any time to defrag the computer or or organize or, or quiet. Right. And do the work that you need right, to do. Right. There used to be so much staring at the horizon. <laughs> you yeah, know? like car like trips. Crazy. I know. But I look back on that. I was so grateful for boring camp, boring school, boring road trips. Now we all look back with nostalgic. Remember when you just drive along and look out the window? Right. And now it's like, oh, wait, we're going how far? Strange. I know. I dropped my phone in the toilet once and I was without it. And I just never I, – I was dragging my feet on repairing it because I felt – so good. Yes. And yet here I am with it in my pocket. And right when the podcast is over, I'm going to look at it like I always do. <laughs> but, you know, I think one of the reasons is because I find – one of the reasons – like I tell you, I've read 100 pages of your book. Most books, I can get it before I've read half of it. <laughs> I know that's stupid. Oh, yeah, That's yeah. not to say that I'm smarter than the book, but I'm like, I got what I needed out of this one. I don't need to read the whole story necessarily. It's not great. I, I, I wish I could just plow through and just, like, read everything. And I feel the same way about – taking my earbuds out at a Starbucks. I only need 10 minutes. I feel like Daniel yes. Plainview, to get all I need. <laughs> I, t- I take my earbuds out and I listen to a conversation next to me. I listen to the music and I go and I go. And for the next week, I'll have examples of what frustrates me, what makes me happy, what's interesting. Like there's just so much going on. Yes. Sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, Daredevil goes home and sleeps in a sensory deprivation tank, I think it's because sometimes the world can be overwhelmed. Absolutely. That's another reason. It's not just as a creative person. I just think it's a type of person. Like I went to a party last night, and I start saying my goodbyes right when I arrive at a party <laughs> because it takes an hour and a half. So I'm just like, I, I'm heading out, and then I just do a lazy you around it, and I get out of there. But, you know, it'll stimulate me and inspire me for probably a month. I'll be like, remember that party? But some people can just stay and, and they're easy and they relax and they're fine. I, I kind of I envy it, but I also like the way that I am. You, um, 
but we our work begins by paying hyper attention to things right our 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 work begins with noticing right so we're we're on like high alert which is exhausting yeah <laughs> cuz i know that there are often moments when i'll be like oh this is here to teach me something that's one of the things, another thing that I think is so interesting. So we have this idea of ourselves. We have the us that's on the floor or me drinking during the day or whatever it might be, whatever our low self is. <laughs> me eating Chinese food is another alcohol-free example. <laughs> uh, and then there have been times in my life where I just had this – I, I just said to my friend, I was like, the, one of the reasons I drink is I get this feeling in my neck. It's in my body. I feel it. And I, I recognize it. I go, that's the cocktail crack. It's literally – I feel like it's a chiropractic thing. And I can get rid of it through certain means. I can take a sauna. I can go for a hike. There are all these things, right? But one of the incredible things is when you and I get together and talk, all of that goes away. This, this shift, you know what I mean? And I think you and I are both very interested in that shift. When I've been in my car and been like, I'm going to go home and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get stoned or I'm going to get drunk or whatever it might be, and then I stop by your house and it's not you that do the drop eyes. We do a drop eye. I love it. We chat for an hour. You come in, you lay down on that gray couch. Exactly like therapy. You put your feet up. We talk. <laughs> and then I go home, and it's not that I'm being good. I shouldn't. It's that I don't want to. It's an amazing thing. And this is a gift that we can give each other. And mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be close friends. This is something that we can do. This is the fascinating thing about a smile on an airplane. I've been traveling a lot. Or like in a restaurant or, or a kind barista or whatever it is. There are all these little reminders that go it's not about ornation or ornation ornation papers <laughs> it's i love th- how you've taken that run with it That's i good. just can't let it go because that is the the materialization of, of nonsense is go yes. this, this paper means something you, you know i get we need yeah. to have driver's license and stuff but there's all these things where we go it's not about that You've yeah. been sold a lie and isn't that the aim of of real spirituality is that's why i say i used to think i was trying to save people and now i'm trying to like be free myself in the hopes that other people would also feel that because it's so good to be free. Yeah. Freedom is good. Like and being, can, yeah. What's that? Yeah. And contagious and contagious. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your book. Remember when I, we gave me your book and I was nervous about your book because I thought it was going to be the Bible is cool. You guys. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I even, I knew I even like was asking Chris and like, really this book on the Bible, should I even do this? Like, seriously, it's 2017. Yeah. But then you and so many people oh my God. are like, it's no, a mer- this book is like your best book. And so I said, okay. It's I, a, I give up trying to understand it, how it works. Buddy, it's like the tweet that you think is stupid, everyone loves, and the tweet that you think <laughs> is amazing. No, but I mean, as somebody who represents whatever it is I represent. You know, I told you that I... You, you started that sentence but didn't really know where it was going. I did, but I didn't, represents- want to, I didn't want to say that I represented fans of yours. The last person to read a book on the Bible. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it. I don't, yeah, I don't right. want to talk about it. Right. Because it's like a weird... Uh, this, is, this is a broad statement, especially because I'm loving the Bible in the book. That's one of the great things about it. I another business I'm in is the reclaiming of old models in exciting new ways, and that's all the book is. So I told you one of the weird pleasures, and it's not because I'm a good boy, and it's not because I can tell you this on the podcast, and everyone will think, "Oh, Pete's reading the Bible again." You enjoy visiting, sitting down with some weird old friend that you thought was about one thing, and it turns out he's completely about. Oh about yeah, it. yeah. And and there's something really wonderful about that. But I told you it's like a murder mystery, 
it's like a whodunit. And it's like who murdered the Bible. It's not about pointing the finger and finding the culprit. It's about going like, what happened? How did we lose the cheek fun or the walk a mile fun or the Moses fun or, or yeah. the the retelling yeah. fun? It's taking these words. And I, I was really worried. It's so stupid. I shouldn't have been worried, but I was worried that you did one for the studio. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, for sure. Right, I thought you right, did right, an independent right. film. You right. did another independent film. You did another independent <laughs> film. You were done with Juno, and you wanted to do the Avengers because you had bills to pay. You know what I mean? So I was like, that's fine. And then I started reading it, and I was like very excited. <laughs> like I got very <laughs> excited, and very clearly it became evident that the book was not about what I thought it was about, which was a defensive – like I told you, I had put up boundaries between me and the yeah, Bible, yeah, yeah. and I had, yeah, and yeah. it was not easy for me to go like, all right, <laughs> Nehemiah, what do you got? And I was, I, and I, every step of the way, you kept, again, that liberating feeling, unlocking padlocks and dropping chains, of being like, you thought it was about this. It was actually about the same thing that jazzes up you and I here in 2017. Absolutely. What's more exciting than that? And I do think it's going to be a huge seller, and that's exciting. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. People actually have no idea what's in the Bible. That's right. They, they will literally listen to Bernie Sanders and not draw a direct line to the prophet Amos, hmm. or will listen to Rage Against the Machine and not draw a direct line to the first line of the Gospel of Mark, which is anti-empire, subversive propaganda from the get-go. Hmm. This is a dangerous, dangerous book written by a group of people that were a small minority that had been conquered by one global military superpower after another. The Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Seleucids, the Persians, the Romans, these people. So when they talk about some trust in chariots, but we trust in God. How small are you when you were beaten by the Solutions? <laughs> <laughs> what was the fourth one? Solutions? Oh, the Seleucids. Yeah, Seleucids. yeah, yeah, yeah. You Greeks. were beat by a group that <laughs> right. no one even remembers. <laughs> That's how badly yeah, the bad Jews branding. were doing. <laughs> bad branding on that one. Um, like so, so like when, um, let's say a nation elected a leader who was a liar and had no moral compass and was totally devoted to his own propaganda. Like, yeah. imagine. <laughs> um, the These writings are... These writings are are deeply soaked in how do you maintain your center and soul when you are under the boot of a corrupt empire's on your neck. Um, I mean, these are all the things people. Or you think about the Psalms. Half the Psalms are laments. Um, why do you hide your face from me? Half the Psalms, not the popular ones. <laughs> right, but but half the Psalms are. There's don't even tell me there's some sort of benevolent force looking out over the universe right and that made so the every friend of ours ever and every time any one of us have been like don't tell me this idea of a god seriously we need to move beyond this yeah um half the psalms are rooted in that perspective and yeah yeah so this even this idea that it's about you know it's for people who believe well then why like you even think about the gospel of matthew post-resurrection there's this line Matthew chapter 28, some of them believed and some of them doubted. Why do you include that? Yeah. Why do these writers want us to know that people were doubting the It's whole terrible time? propaganda. It's they, terrible propaganda, before, but yeah. it is fantastic it. insight and it all belongs. Yeah. So I, I just, over the time, just kept discovering, wow, when people talk about the Bible, they actually don't have any idea what they're talking about. Right. 
So, but it wasn't you picking up your old blankie from your childhood and saying, "No, this is a good blanket." It's so much more <laughs> dangerous and provocative. And well, you shed light on why they killed Jesus, which is like what caused the Civil War. People go slavery. Why they killed Jesus? They're like, "Oh, he was, uh, he was a sl- slavery." I don't know. Like, I mean, he is confronting a military industrial religious complex right. that made people miserable. Right. I mean, this is – he was an enemy of the state. Right. Um, Snowden. I mean, this is this is an enemy of the state who was – why? This wasn't because he said love your neighbor. Right. This is because he was speaking to a particular entrenched system of power. And these are all the same issues we're talking about today. Right. It's all the same issues. I love it. And I, <laughs> and I love the book. Um, I love it that you're on page 100. It goes on for a couple hundred more pages. This, I know. And I'm excited for some I'm of the stuff it every towards night. the end. If I'm reading a book every night, that's as good as I get. That's <laughs> as good of a compliment I'll give a book. I, I love Be Here Now. I've been reading – I've read it many, many times, but it takes years. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes me a very long time. You don't want it to be over. The other thing I was going to say, I want to just talk about when you said seeing is – Seeing is forgetting the thing of the name – Seeing is forgetting the name of the thing one sees. So I've written about, and you've read because you were gracious to read the early versions of the thing I'm working on. Have you told your audience about what you're working on? I think so. Kind of. Yeah, I think it came out. But it's official. And Rob was very helpful you know, in, help, in helping me traverse the waters of, of trying to pitch a book. So you've told everybody stuff. that you're going to – this is coming. Writing a book, yeah. Oh, Petey Pants is writing a book. It's exciting. And one of the things I wrote about in it was, and we talked about it on the podcast, is looking at something without thinking, which is yes. just another way of saying what Ram Dass does so beautifully, which is he says, if God is an object, you're always one thought away from it because you're thinking about it. You know what I'm saying? Ah, right. So he, was, he quotes this book called The Quality of Consciousness Without an Object. Yes. And that sounds very much like seeing it. And you move from form to formless. That's right. Yeah. It's like he talks about ink and water, just kind of like becoming into it. And these are the experiences that you and I have both tasted in different forms, which were religious experience, revelation, like really great things. And then you come back and, and we're back in these clunky suits with our stupid language trying to explain mm-hmm. these things. And we're trying – when I was on Mushrooms – sorry, but I had to keep bringing it up. I mean I kept – I had this thought where I was like, oh, man, I'm going to come back and I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> Can you hear that? I think it was such a bummer. Yeah, I think this is this is actually uh, um, lately, especially. I have become very convicted of talking about things that, that words are ruining it. Yeah, it just. I've noticed that you're like words are important. We're, like you're trying to be. Delivered. Words are. It's a paradox. If it's true, it's paradox. It's going to have some sort of paradox in it. So incredibly important and necessary. And you and I, words are how we pay our bills. And yet, well, that's what Ramdas says at the beginning of his talk. He goes, "He who knows does not speak, and he who speaks does not know." And he opens with that, and he goes, "And I speak for a living, so I have to wrestle with that every day." I do, right? Yeah, right, right. We are not the quiet hermit at the tea shop that just has a little quiet universal smirk on his face that you just kind of sit near (laughs) and go, "Like I don't know why, but this guy's buzzing like a fridge in the good way." (laughs) We're the guys that go like. Talk about that guy. Well, that's what I love about hanging with Violet is she spends very little time analyzing 
She just has the experience. Yeah. So Richard Rohr said, I wish I could be as present as my dogs. Yes. I was looking at his dogs, and he goes, oh, to be as present as my dog, huh? <laughs> no. Every mo- the first thing that happens in the morning is Violet gets our dog out of our dog's crate yeah. and then loves the dog. That's the first thing that happens. My day begins with her and the dog. Hmm. And the dog is four and Violet's seven, and they just she, like, hugs the dog. That's how it begins. And they haven't forgotten. To, to a dog and a daughter who have zero interest in standing at a distance from the experience and going, oh, look at the interaction that we're having. That's They're right. just there. I was just They're re- just there. It's like old folks dancing at a wedding. They realize that it's not about standing back and watching the dancers and going, look at that guy's gut. Yeah, right. It's going, man, the music's playing. And this isn't just like a live because yeah. we die thing. It's like yeah. live because living is living and we're living. Yeah, and it's and and it is. Oh, uh, I mean, you think about the whole culture of critique that we live in, where you stand at a distance. There are whole trades and industries that are analyzing. Yeah, so you can make money talking about buildings without ever having built a building. You can make a living talking about mo- analyzing movies, critiquing yeah. movies without ever having been on a set. Did you see Birdman? Yes. Remember in Birdman, he goes up to the critic, and he basically says what we're saying. It's a very profound scene where he goes like, you're always yes. one step away. You're yes. just talking about me in the play. Right. And then he picks up a flower, and he goes, what do you see? And he basically is saying what Buddha's saying. He's saying, are you counting the petals? It's the thing that I said is like we're all stuck in a snow globe, and some of us are counting snowflakes. And some of us are going, holy shit, we're in a, in a snow globe. Yes. Right? Yes. He holds up the flag and he yeah. throws it at him. Yeah. And I hadn't seen Birdman since I had been introduced to those types of ideas. And I was like, it's another one of those Dr. King moments where you're like, how many people know? Yeah. It's what Terrence McKenna says. He goes, go yeah. and find the others. Yes. And I find more and more I don't know how to answer questions about my work because they're questions that are asking to stand back. Pete Rollins read the new book mm. and he said – More than 100 pages? Screw that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he says, he says, I feel, he says, I already can see that in the interviews you're going to do about what is the Bible, everybody's going to want you to talk about this. But this is a book from inside. Mm. You're in, you're inhabiting these stories. That's right. Telling us what they did to you. That's right. You're and not he said, thinking this about this. This is the Bible. actually your most personal book. And I said, you, but there's like that, not one story in it about my life. And he's like, because it's personal in a very different way. You're writing from within. You burrowed in. And everybody's going to want you to stand outside of it. You're on mushrooms going, ah, oh, crap, I'm going to have to talk I'm going to talk this. about this. You're going to be the guy going, what is it? So, Rob, <laughs> tell me. Write down. Don't. It'll be too many. How many interviews start with, so, Rob, what is the Bible? <laughs> That's going to be your first question on numerous morning shows. It's like how many articles about Tom Cruise there have been called Cruise Control. Oh, it's just what's going to happen. Right, right. It's and actually my answer to the title of the book, I realized, is a question, which is um, what does it do? Yeah. Does it make you think differently about the poor? Does it make you – does it help you understand sorrow and loss? Does it speak to your lack of uh, trust? Mm. Does it uh, – what does it do? Because mm-hmm. that's just more – because the retelling thing. Right. Annika Felusa's die. What is it – all I know is that word and you and I talking about it does something to us. It takes us somewhere. It's, it's me stopping at your house oh. and then not getting day drunk. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. I yes. don't want to get day drunk, Rob. I don't want to feel 
the feeling in my right, neck. Right, right, right. I'm in pain. I'm literally suffering. Oh. And talk about not sitting with yourself and taking an inventory. I'm as guilty as the next that you take some sort of winnable game. I'll have a cocktail and it's over, right? Because now I'm oh. sloppy and I'll fall asleep. But really, the the juice is in the talking to Rob or it's in what does this book do to you. It's finding the will to, yes. to take a higher path. Yes. Not because it's good and because people will go, you took the higher path. But because you wanted to be on the higher path in the, to begin with. Yeah. I don't want to despair. Yeah. I'm trying to stay here. And ideally the <laughs> ideally <laughs> ide- and and obviously the path, the interesting thing is that the higher path becomes more and more natural. Right. That's like Richie says, it was all a dress rehearsal for now. People when yeah. I went to Grand Rapids, I told you four different people asked me if I go to church. And it's not that I'm snooty and I don't go to church, but I wanted to say like I've been to so many churches. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's that answer. Yeah, the answer is what are we doing now? It's like, what I'm, is this? I'm what is church? happening right now? That's the answer. The whole thing is a temple. That's the answer. The whole thing is a temple. And I, this is in the thing that I'm working on in the book. Let's see if it makes it, but it'll be here on the podcast. On 60 Minutes, they talk to these monks on this Greek island where there's no nobody ever gets cancer. All they eat is uh, they're vegetarian, all this sort of stuff, and every, like very happy monks. Akos. Akos. That sounds What's right. It? Yes. And they said, they go, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And the and the and the monk, I guess you'd call him a monk, says, "Who says I'm not praying right now?" Yes. And when I saw that on sixty minutes, I was like, "Oh, he's got a subconscious, dear Jesus, help! Thank you for this day. Bless mommy, daddy, Petey, Sammy, John, Penny, and the kittens." Going. That was my prayer when I was a, a little boy. Uh, by the way, my pe- my cat Penny got a shout out before my brother. <laughs> <laughs> the order, yeah, it was, telling it, us it something. Telling, it was telling. So now I'm like, "What is prayer? What is church?" It's communion. It's a place. What is God? When people are like, God's a verb. I'm I'm like, God's a verb and God is a a state. Mm -hmm. Clean antenna. You're there. Here we are. And the church was, Joseph Campbell talks about the church as this reminder when you're in New York City, you go into an old church and it's quiet and it's still. And the game is leaving the church and holding on to that manifestation of that quiet place in you. You got to visit it. We built one to remember but the game is leaving it and remembering it when you're at the bodega and the guy is on a cell phone instead of handing you your, your receipt. <sighs> have we talked about where the, where the idea of church comes from? No. Tell me we haven't talked about that. I can't wait. <sighs> okay, so. Because <laughs> this to me is fascinating. There are these Hebrew slaves and Moses is going to lead them, liberate them. So whatever you're enslaved to, there's about to be liberation. And Moses is told, gather, gather together the assembly to tell them how it's going to go down, essentially. And the word that's used there is this Hebrew word, aid. Essentially, we'd spell it E-D, which means witness. And so an Ada, E-D-A-H, Ada is a witnessing community. So it's gather together the witnessing community who will witness to their liberation. Hmm. And then when they are liberated, they will witness to everybody else about their liberation. They saw it. So yeah, you, yeah. you are going to be liberated and then you will witness to your liberation. Hmm. So the idea of church is not a Christian or a New Testament idea. Um, you have this ancient idea of a body of, a body of humanity witnessing to their liberation hmm. and then creating the space for others to be liberated. Hmm. 
<laughs> so, so even when people talk about church, I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Because that idea originally that so all of those stories about stories about church all flow out of this ancient idea of a body of humanity witnessing to the liberation, hmm. which to me just changes the whole. Right. What are we doing right now? You're not getting your oil changed, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not yes. making sure. Yes. You're not losing your compass or humanity whatever. being liberated. Yeah. Again. So when people say, take us to church, or that was some church, or that was some, right. you instinctively say this, often not well, referring to an hour on Sundays. That's right. Because the whole thing is a temple, and the whole thing is conspiring for your liberation as we support each other and that's, stand in solidarity with each other. That's why it's, no one, it's an exciting time, talk about me uh, using your dip and you using my dip, that I do interviews and say, it's a religious experience. It's a unifying experience. Absolutely. A good comedy show. And when, Absolutely. We, and when we would tour, oh, man. how many people would say, I haven't oh, been man. to church in decades? Uh, yeah. And we were like, we, we did, you know, it was so not church, but it was church. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the story, and I want to get it on the record, because it was such a good Bobby moment, <laughs> uh, where... Every every show, I would tell the story of the last time I went to church. It's because my pastor started oh, right, yeah. telling a story about the power of prayer, and he starts saying on a fateful Tuesday morning. And I thought to myself, if this motherfucker says a story about nine eleven, I'm not coming back. And that was uh, we were doing some shows where it was clearly my audience was the majority. Then there were some shows where it was clearly your audience was the majority. We'd just kind of go back and forth from time to time, and most of the time it was mixed. But sometimes you'd go. Oh man, this is this seems like a Rob crowd. And I were backstage, and I said to you, I don't know. You'd see. Oh, I remember that. I remember. I saw a kid wearing one of those like, it says like Reese's peanut butter cups, but instead of Reese's, it says Jesus. Oh, I just want to throw ah, up. Get the bar bags. We still have them from my bell talk. It says like Jesus in the same font, and instead of like chocolate cupcakes, it says oh. like died for your sins. So I saw one of those guys, and I was just worried about the MFR line. And I said to you backstage, I go. I can't. I, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say if this, uh, if this guy or if this jerk or if this whatever. Oh and no! You said right. You remember you went. You have to say that moment. Yes. I was like, but people get offended. And you were like, but that's the moment. And there are people that get offended when I say that. But there are all these other people, not necessarily in the back, but metaphorically speaking, in the back of the room. That that's the moment where they click in. Absolutely. And but you see, absolutely. That's third way thinking. That it, my mother is actually kind of getting there. She's actually starting to – it's very exciting. Who knows? Maybe next week she'll lose it. How, what time are yeah. we in the podcast? Ah! I would like to see a timer on what time we brought up your mom. I know. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, that, that just my mom came up. But she's starting to understand the importance of the occasional MFR. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it, it, and, and what I love about our show is there is a weird religious pretension. It's like a – ice you have to shatter it's like glass you have to shatter ice that has to break that's right so that we can actually be present with one another that's right and that is the gift one of the one of the biggest gifts you've given me is uh my sort of where i come came from there are certain things if you get close to them it's like it starts throbbing red Mm. like avoid that because that's like sort of, you know, there's like a politeness thing. Right. And when you and I started spending time together and then doing those shows, oh, now I go there. Is there a bathroom? 
There sure is a bathroom. There sure is a bathroom. Can you show her? Do you? Oh, is that you. okay? Yeah. It's right there. It's right there, babe. We'll see you in a second, Violet. You're being so patient. For the record, Violet has been here the whole time. <laughs> like she hasn't left, and she's been sitting very she politely. Is so awesome, that yeah, girl. It's incredible. That's really a feat. Oh, look at her book. She has a book, The Puppy Place, about. She has a oh, book about puppies. Name she brought Moose. with her. Oh my word! Which was my nickname at Bennigan's. <laughs> <laughs> but I re- we talked about this. The comedian doubles down. Yeah, the comedian doubles down, and uh, Kristen noticed this in my in with me last year. She came out to one of the tour stops. She's like, "Oh my word!" Yeah. When that like guy asked that question, you like went after it and asked a follow up question. You asked him a question that took him to it, and then you took asked him another question. Another. Right. She's like, "You were like." G- like a heat-seeking missile for the actual thing. Right. And not the sort of, let's all pretend everything's fine, stay right. on the surface. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's uh, I've seen some the, of that's your influence. I've seen, oh, well, Thanks, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> Are you I mean, you've changed my life. <laughs> like, full stop. It's been amazing. <laughs> is there anything, we've been going two hours and 15 minutes. Have we great. really? Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Let me look at this. Universal glue, we talked about that. I love your notes. It's like little phrases. Some of them are circled. Ah! I'm trying to look for some coherence, and I don't see any. How do you keep it up? Creating. Why does creating feel so good? Grand Rapids. Preston. We talked a little bit about What's Preston's band name? We could see a spike in sales. He he heads out on tour in a couple weeks. And One of the bands is called Fringe. They're heading out on tour. And I'm definitely going to go one of these days. Uh, oh, and then I gave you Alan Watts, and that blew your mind. You still haven't told me what happened. I remember I would call you, and you're like, I'm dipped you, in. I, I got um, to be away for a couple of days. It was such a great gift, like an audio book or something. I listened to it while I run. It's called You're It, if people want to try it. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, because people are like, what are you? Like, what do you tell people when they ask what you do? And I just, obviously, I, have, I, I don't have any interest in talking about trying to come up with titles, but it also is frustrating at times. You're trying like, to be Rob Bell without are you, an object. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Alan Watts on that boat he had in, I think, the Sausalito Harbor, his teaching, um, I've never really had models like, oh, I want to teach like that or that. I've had artists, designers, comedians... Musicians that I've been like, oh, I can see pieces of that making its way into my work. Mm. But he's the first spiritual teacher because he was—he's rock and roll. Where, where I was like, right? Oh, was that it? I just felt like a solidarity. Yeah, and he's moving from ancient text to story to cultural. He—he's like moving, and he's got all these different pieces, and he's just moving among them. And I feel like that's what I do. Yeah, and oh. It's always the thing that happens when you realize that all this new ground you're trying to break, other people have already been there. How many more are there? Yeah. <laughs> how like, many? Oh, he was doing how all. How many have there been? Yeah, yeah. That was really the form, the form of what he was doing. It's like, oh, there was just so much. I was like, I'm not, I'm not the first. Yeah. And that's so oddly comforting. But that's the whole game. Yes. That's the whole fun for me is when I lose it, and I lose it all the time. I mean, lose mm-hmm. my grasp. On the things we're talking about on this podcast. Yeah. And, you know, for example, today I don't feel particularly dipped in. I'm a little tired. You know what I'm saying? Which is fine. Because I'm like, then I have these, Ramdas has this quote where he says, 
what I can provide you is a little faith that there is a beloved. That's one of his quotes. So when sometimes when I lose it, I just think of Alan Watts, that you know, brilliant stand-up philosopher, so funny, so yeah. smart. Yeah. And he went there and he found it. And I think of you and I think of all these other yeah. – I think of Richard Rohr. Yeah. It's almost like we catch each other – because you know Richard Rohr has mornings where he's like, what is this about? You know, he's just, I need some coffee or whatever it is. Yeah. And maybe he thinks of you or maybe he thinks of – who knows who he thinks of. But it's really nice to know that there are other people, smarter people that, that find the same conclusions. That's what I, I told Jim Norton. I was like – he's like, I don't know what it is. And I'm like, well, the good news is there's a lot of people that have devoted their entire lives to meditation and study and practice. And the message that – Almost all of them. I don't know one that doesn't come back with the message that you are loved. Absolutely. All good. Absolutely. Effing relax. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm talking about there's the scholars and there's the monks and then there's the people that take a huge amount of a crazy drug that take, puts them in some sort of strange state. All of them come back with a like, you, you had it wrong. You don't need those papers to preach. There's no test. Everything's fine. You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Right? Come on. That's good news. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about? Um, this was really great, and I really appreciate you talking about the book. The book is called What is the Bible? Yeah, we're gonna, it comes out May 16th. That we're going to plug the heck out of it. I just tweeted. Do you see what I tweeted? I did. I said, it's so in your voice, I consider the print version an audio book. <laughs> That's it's crazy. Great. It's like hanging out with you. It's Everybody nuts. who's read it are like, this is like your, this is the most you. It's not, it's not even a book. You know what I mean by that? It's a new thing. Ah. It's Rob. It's mainlining Rob. <laughs> Reading a book feels like this. <laughs> Reading this is like, I can spend some time with Rob. It's great. Oh, that is the best. You've removed even more filters, oh, which is great. That's that's beautiful. So let's get it. And let's uh, – obviously, I'll see you soon. We'll keep hanging out. Val sends her love. We should take a picture so that then four years from now – Yeah, Natalie, would you take can a – Can be like – show? Can we, we show Natalie the through, first photo? We, uh, we should recruit – well, then we can say we got through college or whatever the next thing is. Oh, Violet's got all her games on here now. Well, You ready to go, Violet? Violet, I, I can't believe how patient and good you were. Oh, Here, you can use mine and, and use that as a reference. Can she take, can she take that to... You don't have to yeah, nail she it got perfectly. It. She got it. Thanks for being here, Violet. Do you have anything to promote? No. No, no upcoming projects? Any, any rope dancing or silk dancing? No. No? What's your favorite song? Katy Perry? I don't know. Me neither. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, one of the big ones right now is Selena Gomez, Me and My Girls. You heard that song? No. You would love it. I, be- I believe I would. I mean, you turned me on to T-Swift. Why wouldn't I believe you? Um. <laughs> Here's a hug. We got it. Bobby? What? Ooh, Violet, will you say keep it crispy into the microphone? Oh, yeah. It's a thing we do on the show. It's just a silly game. I'll say it, then you can say it. No, it, no if you ah! stand here and say keep it crispy, that would be very funny. It'd be just funny, like a silly joke. I'll do it first. Ready? Keep it crispy. Then your dad will do it. Keep it crispy. Violet? Oh, you're not going to do it? What if we all say it together? No. <laughs> I, I've been asking her forever to do, hi, friends, welcome to the Robcast. Oh, my she, gosh. Out of nowhere, one day she did it, but she won't, hadn't done it again. It's scary. I understand. Can you say keep it crispy right now? Not in the mic. You could just say it. 
Oh, All right, I'll, hey, turn, you know what? I'll turn what? all the microphones off. This is not who this... Ch- <laughs> all the mics are off. This is not who this child wants to be. Keep. Can you say keep? Keep. You're really going to say no the whole time, right? Uh, now I just want you to stick to your gut. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 